to the Wine Shuffle, the ICTFC fan podcast, the podcast with more strikes in January than the RMT. On this pod, questions and answers, how did we score 10 goals in two games? Did Dodgy get the Alan Sugar experience? How did we get wee magician Jay Henderson, Dan Mackay and Mark Ridgers, in their own words, head-to-head January signings throughout the year's competition time and a very, very special guest. All that and 28 years worth of ICT references packed into now with a wild conjecture and mild distraction. It's a new year. Let us shuffle. This Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it. Every day I'm shuffling. Welcome one and all to the Wine and Shuffle 2023. I'm still your host for, for good or bad, Andrew Moffat. Happy New Year. A rare full house of shufflers today. Joining me is Shuffleboard, Andrew Young. Hello. Hello. Uh, White Boy Shuffle, Andrew Sutherland. Welcome back. Hello. Nice nice to see you returning to the fold. Yes, uh, whiter than ever before. Uh, sh- shuffle up, I guess. Stevie Riley, all right? <laughs> I, I think so, eh? Hello. And... Richie heads the ball back to Roy McBain, who shot his block, but the rebound lands perfectly as he shuffles his feet and dispatches it past Bryn Halliwell in the Clyde goal. It's only, we found him, it's only Liam Keogh. How's it going, Liam? It's doing good. What an intro. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, well, th- thanks for coming on. Um, appreciate it for younger listeners to the pod. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and where you're from. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, sad to say my year is like 20 years ago now. Um, obviously, I played in the side that, that won the, the old first division um, and got promoted to the Premier League. Um, played a couple of years with the guys in the, in the, in the Premier League. Um, and that's about it, really. You know, that was my time. It was, it was five five seasons, um, a couple of really good seasons in there. Um, and yeah, yeah, for, we won the Bells Cup. Um, you know, it was, a, it was actually a League and Cup double um, that season, 2003, 2004. Um, and then we actually, you know, we did quite well once we went up to the Premier League as well. I, you know, and we finished 10th the first season, then we went on to finish our seventh. So it was... It was a couple of good good seasons there that he had um, in a good side, you know. So I was lucky. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that throughout the pod as well as as well as uh, the football of this season as well. And I think both your boys are in, are in youth teams at the moment, and you get to quite a few games when you're when you're not offshore. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, when I'm when I'm home, you know, I tend to. Um, but yeah, I'm there. I'm in there around the place quite a lot actually. Because you know, I'm watching my boys. They're in training. My youngest boy Luke, he's in with the under twelves. And my oldest boy, Shea, he's now just stepping up to the under-18s. Um, and Shea now, actually, he has to do his duties on a, on a Saturday at the, the, the home game. So he's in, he's either doing the, the ball boying or the, or the kiosk, which he's, he's, just taken, he's just taken to recently. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting myself back in about the club a lot more this past um, year or two. Liam, is it your boy that I need to uh, moan about the state of the pies at the stadium, eh? No, I don't actually know about the state of the pies, but like I say, the uh, the, the social drills are magnificent at the club, so the pies, I, I, I don't know what that's down there. Yeah, okay, 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 I'll, I'll stick to the next time, mate, cheers. Okay, right, well, uh, well, in terms of the a few of the games you've been at recently, what's been some of the standout games, be them good or bad, Liam? That, that 6-1 game there against Cove, I actually missed. The, the, you know, the wife and kids were at the game, and I know that Cove scored first, 
Um, but from what I'm hearing, you know, the guys are outstanding. Now, it's, it's one of them. Um, well, I think the last game I was at was Dundee at home. Actually, I think Dundee won 1 0. Um, and then Queen's Park just there at the weekend, you know, 0 0. And I'm going, I was sitting watching the game, and boys aren't doing great. But, you know, that side, likes of Dundee and, and Queen's Park, I mean, Queen's Park's top of the league, you know, so it's, is that a bad result? I don't know. I still think that with the squad that, that we've got, that we're yet to sort of really fulfil how good we can be. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of good young players in there. And I think that we've yet to sort of really get full momentum. And, you know, when you're seeing, yeah, I know there's a couple of bad ones. That part of this whole is a bad one. But you get that. I just think that we can go on a run at some point. I just think if the confidence is there, we can get the full squad back, that we could go on a run. I'm sure it's not just me. Boy, isn't it great to hear him, hear him say we, isn't it? <laughs> aye, it's great, aye, it's great, and I, everything you say is bang on. I think uh, without going too deep, I mean, uh, even in your time, Liam, the, the, the great team we had, if we had the state injuries we, that we've got at the moment in that team, we'd have struggled back then, and we'd a great team, as you know. And no no team of our size and any team in this league can cope with that amount of injuries. And, yeah. yeah. Well, Liam, Liam knows all about injuries. We'll talk about that later. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, right. So let's get down to business. Uh, gentlemen, what, what, you know, been a while. It's been quite a while since we did a podcast. You know, we've all had things on and whatnot. And, you know, we don't be doing podcasts <laughs> when you're losing, when you're, when you're not winning nine games. I think. Uh, but what was the last game you were all at, Stevie? You think you've been to a lot of the away games. What was the last game you were at? A bros, which was nice. Uh... Also, I've no hair, but it was a nice uh, win free day, which is a, a real thing at a broth. But yeah, that was a that was a great day out. Pubs are great, obviously. But the, yeah, team performance in, its back, in the back of the Cove game that Liam just spoke about, we kept that momentum going. And I mean, it was at the horror show in Firhill, which was night and day to to the Abroth game. And yeah, I think a wee bit of confidence goes a long way. You see a lot of the boys making moves that they wouldn't have done maybe six weeks ago. So yeah, Abroth away, great performance against that. Always a tough venue to go, isn't it? We've, we've struggled in the past. Uh, mine was Partick on the 23rd of December. Uh, so I'm boycotting them now because they do my Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the, um, <clears throat> the aforementioned 0 0 um, against Queen's Park of the weekend. Um, unfortunately, I've been affected quite badly with um, train strikes and stuff affecting travel to games. Um, and um, having seen them put, was it 10 goals past. Um, Oh, who was it again? Cove and oh, I can't remember now. Um, Cove and sorry, our both, of course. Yeah, sorry. Um, Benjamin North thinking, here we go. We'll see quite a few goals in this one. And of course, trust me to put in the nil nil. Um, and I did actually do a wee like kind of dive into our results history, and um, that was the first time we'd actually scored ten goals in two consecutive league games. So yeah, you can pretty much blame me for uh, cancelling out that, any excitement that, from that game. Is that ever in, all, in the twenty-eight years? That's the first time we scored ten in two games, is it? Yeah, so there, there was quite a few times we'd actually scored kind of like seven, eight, even nine goals right. in two consecutive league games. There were there was one instance I found where we had scored ten goals in a Challenge Cup game, um, the game against Alawa, the old Bells Challenge Cup, the four all one, and when we lost on penalties. But then we then recovered to score six against Forest in the Inverness Cup, so that made everything right. Um, but we did score thirteen in two consecutive games all the way back in ninety eight ninety nine when we beat Clyde. Uh, five one, I think it was in the league. And then we put eight past Annan in the Scottish Cup. Annan, oh yes. So there you go. Holy so yeah. Geez. So ba- basically, if I go to a game, there's no goals. It seems, yeah. and we tend to lose. So yeah, I'll just stay away from now on. Okay. Well, to put the pod in context, you're you're definitely likely to to hear less from me on this one. 
Because the last game I was at was the 12th of November because I've been moving house. So a lot more from them, a lot less from me. Right, well, in honour of Liam coming on the pond today, let's, in terms of our music, our thematic music choices, let's go back to 2004. The game, we'll have a look at the latter games of 22 as a whole and discuss what they meant and how they might have provided the context for the first three games of 2023. But first, Queen's Park at home in the league, the uh, the, the latest game at time of record and only the, the second 0-0 of the season, but plenty of shots for both sides. Big chances for Billy Mackay, who despite not scoring, could have been arguably man of the match, apparently. Uh, seven shots on target for us, five for them. So, sub after picking up what you just said, after the 10 goals in the previous two games, did you actually enjoy your day? Was this one of those rare, enjoyable nil-nils? I would say it was. Um, it, I think um, the, the game was quite odd that in that it, for a long period. It seemed to be played without any midfield whatsoever. Um, the ball just... It, the game was so open. It was it was really quite bizarre. And um, I think, you know, it could easily have finished 5-all, 6-all if both teams had taken their chances um, throughout the course of the 90 minutes. Um, I think we, 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 def- we started, you know, a bit slowly, but we came right back into it. Um, Billy, Billy Mackay, Danny Mackay, and uh, and Jay Henderson all had decent chances. Um, Queen's keeper pulled out an astounding uh, save. I think to keep out was that a Billy Mackay header, if I remember rightly. Um, similar to was it Michael Fraser's save against Celtic uh, a few years back. Um, but Queens had plenty of their own chances as well. Uh, Simon Murray was a real threat. Um, and you know the, I don't think we could have complained too much if they had. You know, won the game in the end. Uh, second half was kind of more of the same. We started quite well, but Keen, uh, Queen started to dominate. Um, it was it was just so open. It was uh, it's been a while since I've seen a game that open. Um, <clears throat> there seemed to be a lot of space given to you know players. No one was really pressing for a lot of it. I thought, uh, which made it much more exciting for for the neutral because players had time to kind of you know pick a pass and and maybe do something a wee bit more creative than just lump it forward, which we did unfortunately tend to do at times. Um, but yeah. Plenty of chances, so um, whilst it was disappointing not to get the win, you know, I think on paper probably would have taken a point beforehand given, you know, our form over the last, like, you know, few weeks despite the recent good wins against Cove and Arbroath. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really quite enjoyable game, actually, I would say. And Liam, you said you were at the game. Who who stood out for you? What did you make of the of the piece? <laughs> yeah, I was at the game. Like I say, we got into the second half and at one point I turned around the wife and I, I was just like, I can't see anybody scoring. I couldn't see anybody scoring. Um, and and like I said, though, I mean, they're, they're no mugs, uh, Queen's Park. That was, you could see that. With regards to who, who played well, I could see Billy McCoy, it's the best I've, I've seen him dropping in little pockets and linking up with boys, making things happen. I like Lewis Hyde. I like Lewis Hyde. And the reason I like Lewis Hyde, a young guy coming in, Big, strong boy. And I actually think with him full of confidence, I think he's got way more offer. I've seen him a couple of times on Saturday, actually. Something that maybe we've been lacking is a centre midfielder actually making Pearson runs forward. You know, the game now relies a lot on, you know, um, playing pretty and playing the sort of horseshoe coming from right through the middle, out to left and then back again, you know. But that little that run that you know a powerful midfielder making that run forward and maybe going in behind behind the, the centre forward. I think he's capable of that. And the other thing with him is, even when things aren't going well, I feel like he's always showing. He doesn't always get the ball, but he's always showing, which takes a bit of bravery in itself. And I think if we get him full of confidence, you get a lot more out of him. Um, 
So yeah, I like I like Lewis Hyde. Dan McKay, right? That wasn't his best game I've seen him play uh, against Queen's Park. But I do think he is dangerous. He is fast, really fast. He's a constant constant threat and goal. All right, Queen's Park wasn't his best game. But yeah, on the whole, there was, there was a lot of... Um, it's the first time I'd seen uh, Jay Henderson. Um, done okay, you know. Delaney at uh, left back. By the way, very aggressive. I, I, I enjoy yeah. something that I like. I like an aggressive player, especially in that position. You know, when I think back to my time, it was Stuart Golubic. You know, hard, hard, solid left back. Delaney's got that, but I just think he needs to watch. There was a moment, there was a moment on Saturday where he's basically moored somebody on the left-hand side. And then he's he's got the booking, and then he's he's actually threw the ball away after he's had the booking. You know, and I thought, oh, you know, you need to watch. As aggressive as he is, and you need that on your side, you don't want him getting sent off, you know? There's a lot of pluses. I just feel that we need to put it all together and go on one of that runs. And that's how you get win titles. Yeah, I was just going to say, I would, <clears throat> I would definitely agree with the, the point about Lewis Hyde. You know, it's good seeing a, a young guy come through and, and just on that kind of topic of youngsters coming through. Lewis Nicholson, I thought, did quite well in the, the short time he was on the pitch. But the, the main part I was going to make about him was, what a size that guy is. Yeah, I mean, how old is he? What, 17, 18? He's absolutely enormous. Like, he just an absolute so can Like, I would I would not want to like meet him down a dark alleyway because he, he is an absolute monster. Um, and he had a good chance in the game as well late on. Um, and a, a nice wee kind of like volley that unfortunately didn't quite get enough power behind. Um, but he looked okay in the few minutes he came on as well. So it's nice to see the youngsters get a wee bit of game time. But there's a few of them. There's a lot of, you know, that Matthew Strachan, um, right. Colin McKay, um, you know, and, and, and there's guys there that haven't got contracts. It's a Jamie Carnahan at fullback. Another big, strong boy. Honestly, I think Carly have got a lot of good young players with a lot of potential. Um, you know, and it's it's good to see, but it's it's tough because there's only so many can get through. Uh, you know, and it isn't hard on and a lot of them young boys. But yeah, definitely, and, and that's that's actually something that's impressive to see is the size and strength of some of these boys with yeah. the ability to get up and down for the ninety minutes. You know. Okay, well, um, Mark Ridgers, he was called, recalled for the Cove game. Um, he's been in the sticks since then and he's made some key saves in this match. Uh, so we've got an exclusive interview coming up with him later on. Um, we've listened to it. It is gold. Um, but let's talk about Queen's Park very briefly. They have scored the most goals in the league. They've got the third best defence. They've got the best goal difference. Their goalkeepers made the most saves in the league this season. Are they going up? I hope not, because they've got no fans. I'll be busting Gretna. that will be embarrassing at the league next year <laughs> if they do. But um, no, I don't. I don't think so. And I, I, I'm still going to be blinking and say we can still make a push. Like Liam's saying, the boys, if, if we can do a four or five, even a six-game winning streak, I mean, it's possible. The impression I get about Queens Park is that I think they've been quite lucky in terms of being able to pick a pretty consistent team over the first half of the season. You know, no, they just meet you right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this isn't me kind of moaning about our injury problems, but um, I think almost more than any other team, they've had that really, really settled lineup. Um, I don't. A lot of people are talking about them being a sort of a Glasgow Gretna, and I don't quite buy that at the moment. I think they they spent more than probably most clubs last season, and actually potentially underperformed a wee bit last season. But this season, they haven't actually actually thrown loads of money at it. They've just actually signed well. You know, you they've brought in. They, they, I've seen that Queens Park fans talking that and like, oh, we've not thrown money at it. But we're not talking about transfer fees. People are talking about wages. 
and bonuses. Yeah, no, no, I get, I get that. But you know what I mean? It's the it's a Greta comparison. Greta were ridiculous. Greta were buying yeah. players in the Premier League when they were three leagues below. Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah. And they were buying like an entire new team at times as yeah. well. The Queen's Park exactly. only signed about four or five new players. Yeah, Queen's, Park, Queen's, Park, Park, Queen's Park are more like a, like an austerity version of Greta. Then. But call, it, call it, it, to be fair, boys, well, you know Queen's, Queen's Park bought the infrastructure. I mean, their training facilities are next to their, their, their Premier League level training facilities. Greta were just this madman with money throwing fucking money against the wall but I think Queen's Park are doing it the right way they're actually investing in the background first before the yeah, team I mean, but, up, up yeah. to a point what they're not doing the right way at all is the stadium I mean that's a ridiculous ah, and, and they're fanning I mean, what, which is very poor apparently well yeah, yeah exactly what, 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 by building that stadium, what they're doing is essentially saying, "I we're not going to try and reach out and make a, make us the kind of the, the new third or fourth force in Glasgow and try and, well, they are the fourth, but you know what I mean, try and compete with Partick, try and make themselves a sort of um, south side version of Partick, trying to get three, yeah. four thousand supporters in from Strathbungle and stuff like that. They've not done that, but on the playing front, I think they've been incredibly well coached by Owen Coyle and they've added really cannily without just like absolutely flooding you know their squad with new players you know so if they do go up it's it's a testament to like canny buying a wee bit of luck with consistency and very good coaching from Coyle. Okay um well we talked about their goalkeeper there Callum Ferry he's he's um he's made 84 saves this season by comparison the closest to that is uh, Derek Gaston at Arbroath who's made 66 but that's because he's actually letting most of them in this season and um, I think he must have missed about 66 as well so on to Pleasureland where he missed four and they scored one Billy Mackay with his fourth goal of the, of the week before Yazin Bell L before some guy opened his Arbroath account, uh, Jay Henderson restores his lead in half time before Dan Mackay and Lewis, Mac- Lewis Nicholson notched number three and four. And I've seen some dire win ball up there in recent times, so I was gutted to miss this one. Stevie, you were there. Were the conditions markedly improved for January? Lo- lovely, yeah. We're getting to Arbroath and yeah, realised right away that my sort of pre-match prediction would get beat was changed by the weather. I thought we can get the ball down and play and yeah, I think I said this to Billy in the press, so that the, the movement off the ball now and it's night and day. I think that comes with confidence. It's not. It's not any. They're not playing any better. I just think they've got a wee bit of spring in their step to make that run. Hedderson uh, was superb this game. Um, a bit fortuitous with goal. I thought he tried to put his foot through it, but he seemed to sc- scaff and become a nice, a cheeky lob. But yeah, the third goal is a great goal. The one from Dan McKay scores. It's just Welsh into McKay plays one two with, with Billy McKay and then puts it. I think under the keeper's leg. To be honest, so Big Derek won't be happy with that one. But yeah, I thought it was a great performance, and yeah, it's uh, saying the things to come. I mean, obviously the draw against Queens was a bit of a a good point, but I think against teams below us were were final cylinders, now, mate. So it's a, a good a good sign. Do you think it was a case of us being really, really good, or were they really bad? Because as uh, Billy Dodds post match said, I wasn't happy with our first pa- first half performance. We were lucky to be two one up at half time, but the second half we ran out worthy winners. I definitely night and day. Second half we came out, and I think they've also listened to the gaffers uh, talk at half time. But I thought they were all right. I mean, they were, they were decent. I mean, a broth at home, no matter whether they're in the league, are going to be a test for anyone. I mean, they, they, they scalped Dundee away the week before, didn't they? Four two. So they were in the back of good good performances. But no, I thought we were really good. Um, much better in the second. I agree with you, but yeah, I don't think a broth bro for for crap. It just we didn't allow them to play, especially in the second half. Liam, have you got any memories of, of playing at Gayfield or any other inhospitable grounds in Scottish lower league uh, football? Yeah, our growth was horrible. I never liked going there. The weather was always horrendous. I'm surprised to see now the weather was nice. Uh, I'm shocked. You know, <laughs> it was not windy, Liam, though, but it was nice. It wasn't the gale force. Well, I was just going to say the wind. I remember Mark Brown took to take goal kicks. and We probably never took to play out from the back as much as what they are now. So he was trying to thump up the part and it was coming back at us, you know. So, no, our broth was always, you were just trying to get away unscathed 
from our growth. There, and I hate to go into Palmerston, um, Queen of South, Queen away. South. Yeah, that was another one. But it was, you know, don't get me wrong, it was a nice big open park, but oh, just, I don't know if it was the journey as well, you know. Right. But our growth, 100%, tough place to go. What about um, I think Henderson was on the right in this game, Stevie. You mentioned him like how you said he was said he was good. How did he look? Was he coming inside? He's going out wide. Does he do both? For anyone that hasn't seen him yet, what what could they expect from his gameplay? Goes either side of the man. I, I liked it. I, I was like a winger will flash it will take a man in the outside. It's it's very rare you see a winger doing that these days. Always want to cut inside and be inverted, but he, took, he went outside a few times. Always wanting the ball, quite vocal. I mean, I was right. Where we stood, we mean your brother last year on the side, on that side of the way, stand in the corner, not behind the yeah. goals, so on his wing, and he's very vocal for a young guy. And uh, obviously, he's had a bit of experience with St. Mirren in the Premier League, so he's got a bit about him. But he was wanting the ball, and for a young player, it's nice to hear that. You know, you don't want to see a young boy come in being quiet. So, yeah, either side, hungry for the ball, and yeah, looks a talent. What about the midfield three? I think it was Welsh, um, Heidi, Liam's talked about already, and and uh, Aaron Doran in front. That's quite a tight park there, so. I'd imagine we could probably be compact more easily in that in, in this game, he, I would have thought. Heidi was really good, actually, and we were saying before, I mean, I think when Liam was saying, I remember Heidi would get put to full-back against Party Thistle, and obviously that's not a happy hunt, Granny, get hang out to dry at full-back, I don't like him there, but he's, he's that good sort of replacement if we need somebody for Allardyce, you know, I know we've got the boy Ben Woods in, who's that some defensive midfielder, but I think Heidi is a, the holding midfielder that can that can do a, a dart and run, but he's also solid, he's got that defensive cover to him. Him and Welsh are rock solid. Aaron Doran's come on to a game in the last couple of weeks again. Um, it's good against Cove. From what I've seen against Queen's Park, it looked really good as well. So I think they're looking good. We have a few more boys to come back this week, hopefully. When did Aaron Doran sign for us? 2012. Was it 12, was it? And yeah, 2012, January 2012 on loan. Because I've got him. He's that old. I wonder, I wonder if he'd had any crossover with Liam. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> <laughs> I was long gone. I've been offshore nearly <laughs> ten years at that point. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, you're looking exactly the same, though. You must go to the gym. <laughs> no, I've just got a good light. I'm, I was going to have said to the boys, I'm disappointed you didn't come on with a top off. I'll have Broadwood there, Liam. I was going to get that big Celtic tattoo in your arm out there again. All right, all right, no, that's it. I'm, you're, I'm, better, I'm better off covered up nowadays. <laughs> I know, he tried the same thing, but he kept a wife beat around, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Hezzy, Hezzy, he, he never pulled it off. He had the best <laughs> on still. Uh, he, was, he was as white as Sovers today, actually. I needed a tan that boy that day. Okay, let's move on to the 6 1 win against Cove on the 2nd of January. A hat trick for Billy Mackay, two own goals, and a Danny Devine rarity. Cove aren't great either just now. So it's great to give somebody a doing. Um, but I think, you know, we need to start giving the, the ones up at the top a doing, which uh, I think we're capable of, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. Shame about McIntyre, eh? I mean, I, I, was all, I was all teed up for him to get... They'd Paul Hartley sent him to go as soon as they, as soon as they yeah. lost the game, didn't they? That was a bit fishy, wasn't it? Well, but, but basically, yeah, basically, Dodd's got his mate sacked, hasn't he? And then, they, <laughs> then, they, then they've appointed Hartley and they've got beaten 6-0, so they, they just they, get they, McIntyre. They could have beat a 6-1, mate. Probably Hartley would have got the job anyway. I think it was all teed up before. What uh, I heard it, anyway. it does sound a bit like a, a fait accompli, doesn't it, before it's... It's, aye, sort of, aye, yeah. it's all done, I know. See, um, well, I've gone back to this game. Um, one thing is I was kind of watching the highlights, and obviously the the kind of few things that kind of jump out are Rogers coming back in and immediately getting mixed up with Divine for the first goal, which kind of looked like it might be a bad sort of moment. You know, I don't know whose fault that was, but actually uh, after that, you know, um, kind of like a bit of a formula being repeated for the for the um the first and second goals with uh, Sean Welsh free kicks, just really well judged, and the the cold defence looking static. What really interested me watching the highlights was was seeing Henderson for the first time. So you talked to him about a wee bit in the last game, but from what you're seeing here, he looks like he's got 
more about him. Like he's more of a complete player, even though he's very young, than anyone else we've got in that position at the moment. So um, I think he put the cross in for the handball for a start. Yeah, um, and he's in quite an advanced position there. He puts in an absolutely beautiful cross for Doran to yeah. head across back across goal for the sixth, and that's a cross coming from deep. So he kind of um, his decision making in terms of when and where to cross from, as well as the kind of the accuracy of his crosses, is really good. There's times when he's kind of taken on players and beaten them. There's times when he's kind of one one two so players. There's times when he's kind of like. Uh, you know, running off players and turning them. He just, to me, he looks like he's an incredibly kind of um, swift, decisive kind of player. Um, obviously, very skillful in a lot of areas. And I don't know. I was a bit disappointed to hear Stevie say that he'd um, he thought that that was a fluke against uh, Cove because uh, I want to believe that it was just a piece of like great improvisation. It might have been. It might have been. I thought he'd, I, um, I thought he scaffed it, but it was a peach mate. But I'll take it. But I think. I mean, obviously, I mean. In terms of like the long term future of of the club, we don't want to kind of always be relying on loan players. The last season, I think you know Chalmers coming in and McAleer stepping up, or what really made the difference in the second half of the season. I think we might have a player here that <coughs> every other player, if sorry, every other club in the division would like to have, and that could be a really big um, sort of a decisive factor if you know he's in spinal players around him and we've got players coming back in. Just one thing to point out with the um, <clears throat> the hat trick he scored in the game against Cove that took Billy McKay to uh, ninety goals. Um, for Inverness, he's only about eleven behind uh, Dennis Wynas now. Um, chance of him to the podcast, mate. I think we're oh, I was say, yeah. <laughs> the Mackay um, shuffle's getting uh, touted. Hat, hat tip to Bill McMillan for that, by the way. But uh, yeah, what chance of um, Billy Mackay maybe breaking Wynas's all-time well, scoring record for Cali Thistle? I think that's nine in the league this season. That hat trick's put him onto, and he only got nine in the league the entirety of last season. Yeah. So need another season at least. But I was just just to jump in on the old uh, Dennis Winer's record thing and that bit. I'm not seeing anybody doing a Winer shuffle. There's no <laughs> Winer shuffles going on. There's maybe some goals getting put in. There's no uh, Winer shuffles. <laughs> never getting changed, mate. No, we'll, we'll get a future pod teed up maybe with two of them on it. But I know it's a uh, Winer shuffle for life. So sorry, Billy. <laughs> so you 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 played with Dennis? Did he used to oh, do that in training? Did he used to do that in oh, training all the time? Mesmeric. I tell you, I'll tell you something. There's a couple of players through the years, and I'll say to my boys, one of them, one of them is um, John Paul McBride at Celtic. He had a wee uh-huh. move that he used to do, right? And I and I'll say to the boys, and I remember seeing Scotty Kellick, uh, the coach of Carly, who I played with at Celtic, and I says to my boy, uh, do the JP McBride for Scotty Kellick. And Scotty went, "Is that the old?" He knew he knew what one it was, you know. Yeah. And I said, he would, he would have uh, he would have dreamed of when he was at Celtic. Yes. Yes. And so that was one, J.P. McBride. But the, the, the Winus, there's the Winus shuffle, which is like a double step over, but he also had the Winus drag, right? Yeah. And the Winus, the Winus drag was just, it would just make a, a fool of the best of men. It, it was such a basic thing that he would do. I remember a guy at St. Mirren away over at Love Street. And the guy, the guy says, he dragged him, I forget the guy's name, sent a half and he dragged him. And he went, oh no, he's done me again. <laughs> <laughs> And it was if then Dennis was able to move what looked like to be in slow motion, but he left people on their backsides, and then when and no sooner were on the backside, and the ball was in the net. Oh, he was—he was phenomenal. I think. It what was did you the, think of him when he when he first came in, though? Because obviously he did struggle for a while when he first came in. I mean, did maybe did any of you guys in the squad kind of think, you know, that this guy's looking a bit of a bust, or or did you always well, think he had the capability to kind of turn it round? Yeah, well, I I missed. I missed that. I wasn't there. I was still down at Celtic at that point. Ah, right. right. Okay, yeah. But then he had to he had to flip a roo and he started banging them in again. Him and him and Paul Ritchie. Um, but what I did see now, this is this is this was Dennis. 
and I'm sure Dennis won't mind me saying, we became good friends, right? When Dennis was on, he was on, right? But see, when he wasn't on, you wouldn't want him in your five-a-side team. You wouldn't want him. He, he, he just, he just he wasn't the same guy at all. But he did have a little spell at that when he came back. If you remember when he came back. He wasn't at the races. But that initial, honestly, the shuffle and the drag, it was just, like I said, it was mesmeric. Is that, is that a constant thing, Liam? Because we've had him in the pod, and he's a quiet guy. I mean, once you get him talking, you know he's not he's not he's not a, the, the, the the shining light in a, in, a, in a room. He's quite a recluse. But is is that a confidence thing when his head goes down? It's just hard to get back up, or is it just he kind of be fucked that day, and he's not he's not performing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Dennis had a couple of traits, you know. He, he, this awesome leather jacket he wore on every night out. <laughs> um, I've, heard, I've heard that story. Yeah. <laughs> right, he, he, he had the jacket. He had the the switch over. The, the changeover, and he got a couple of beers as well. You couldn't oh. shut him up. And, um, <laughs> and he had this famous night truck so he used to wear at the train every day as well. And we sat in the same spot. And he just seemed to be able to, you know, you turn and you miss it. He's got the gear back on, the truck suit's on, and he's away. So, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I know he was a very quiet guy. He needed, right. you know, a couple of beers and um, then he'd come out. I was just, good, though. Just to clarify, I think, for me, the wine shuffle is is the drug. Is it? All oh, right, okay. That's well, what I that's what I, I think. I mean, I you know, I could, what does everyone maybe, else Maybe a training shuffle here, Moffat. Maybe something we never no. saw. Aye, okay. Well, that's cool. The winest drag is the shuffle. Okay, but he also had the double shuffle, the double step over. Yeah. He was yeah. phenomenal at double step over. That, that was all the good uh, and remembering all the good from years ago as well. This is the bad. Um, we'll go through this relatively briefly. 5-1 uh, game at Partick. Um, yeah, prior to this, I'd be living with my mother-in-law for three weeks. That was a scarring experience. Um, <laughs> so this this was horrendous. Um, I caught this on pay-per-view. Stevie, you were at it. Um, oh, what, what can you say about it? Well, AY was next to me. The best thing was the West End beers because it was abysmal and uh, just just not a happy hunting ground this season. I mean, what was it? 4-1 the last game as well was a Friday. Was it it's back, it's a back-to-back 4-1, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, just pish. Um, Looked like the boys just wanted to... What, to start the Christmas break for a couple of days, it just no one turned up. I mean, it was probably worse than the last four-one game where I thought that was horrendous. That was probably yeah. part of the the Morton game where no one offered anything. You, you, you're next to me, we will agree, but it was it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was just yeah, worse than the amounts I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, we should probably, and this is without sort of making um, excuses because the performance itself was was totally unacceptable. And if you see the if you see the way that we reacted to the the goals, you know, it looked like everyone was off it. It looked like everyone had just switched off and couldn't be bothered, you know. But um, the mitigating factors, obviously, are, are that I think that the midfield itself was kind of like we had... Um, Welsh had obviously just come back from injury, you know. Uh, we played. Made five, yeah, so he shouldn't have played, right? We, we made five changes from the 1-0 defeat against Dundee, which might have been, uh, like, throwing the dice too much, you know, kind of changing too much up. But we were also, I think, um, Dawson's hand was forced because of the injuries. So, um, Welsh Carson Hyde is the middle. That's Car- Carson's been moved back into the middle, and he's not played there for ages. You know, he's, he's been in and out this season, but he's not had a run there. And I don't think he really, you know, especially against a team like Partick that are kind of um, pretty kind of solid, one of the strongest teams in the league. You know, I think I think Carson probably was struggling there. Hyde's obviously been very inexperienced. Welsh is, um, you know, just back from injury. So there's that. The really big issue was down the right-hand side. So you've got Ryan Barrett, 
who came in, I think had maybe had one start, maybe not even that. I don't think there were any other options looking at the bench. So I think. Oh, we know Devine was the, the back four were very young anyway, weren't they? Was that very yeah, young so, back I, so, the, so, so the manager's hand is forced up to a point, but Barrett looked just, he looked like he's a headless chicken, you know, he had no idea, you know. And you'd maybe think, you know, so is was it a mistake signing him in the first place? You know, so maybe some blame kind of lies at the club's feet in that respect. But, um, there was that. I don't think he got much help from the people in front of him and ahead of him. And I think that Mark Richards maybe alludes to that later on in the interview. We're going to hear that um, you know everyone was at fault there. But I think that the kind of the nature of the defeat, the the five one, is a combination of everyone being a bit off it, but also a very experienced team that was completely kind of mixed up from before. A couple of players, or at least one player that probably shouldn't have been anywhere near it, another player ahead of him and Stephen Boyd, who hasn't yet really kind of found his place or, or started playing. You know, he's been in and out of the team as well. Don't want to condemn him too much, but I think, you know, that entire right-hand side suffered from a lack of kind of match kind of fitness, a lack of experience, and maybe in Barrett's case, a lack of, you know, um, ability as well. So I think um, it was a kind of a perfect storm of everything being shit. Um, and maybe some of the players just not trying hard enough. Um, you know, Ram and Duffy didn't really inspire confidence in the, the middle of defence. Um, and I don't think they were really helped at times because Welsh and Carson and and to some extent Hyde ahead of them didn't really seem to offer themselves for a short pass out of defence a lot of the time, so they ended up having to go long quite often, um, and that just did not work for us. Um, but one of the things I thought was quite interesting, I thought maybe this was this this was going to be his Richie Foran moment, was um, Dodds really threw the players under the bus after the game. He um, <clears throat> he said that um, <clears throat> excuse me, he said that the players were doing things in the pitch that um, he couldn't believe. He said they were a disgrace. They weren't accept. The performance wasn't acceptable, which is obviously, you know, I, I take that bit. But I kind of felt he should probably take some of the blame here as well, because you know, if he didn't like what he was seeing, why was he not? He didn't seem like he was trying to influence it too much from from the pitch. Um, but maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, but he was he was really going for them, and it reminded me of when Foden really threw the players under the bus after we got beat by Hamilton wow. uh, at the end of January uh, a few years back now. Yeah, uh, I did wonder. You know, is the writing on the wall at this point? Well, he did. He did say he said at Christmas I should be concentrating on my family, and I'm concentrating on what has just gone. I drove. I drove up the road back to Inverness, and all I thought about was the game. And Sean Welsh said post match it was unacceptable. To be honest, we can only hold up our hands and apologise for the performance to a man. It was unacceptable, and we've got to deal with it. And then, as we will hear from um, both Dan Mackay and Mark Bridgers, they had what seems to be clear the air talks. Um, we'll go into that in a little bit and we'll talk about Billy Dodds as well. But Liam, what do you think about those comments? Have you been in a dressing room when confidence is at an all-time low? I know in the championship uh, winning season of 3-4, we lost three games in a row in February and then and then turned it around to beat Clyde 3-1. What, is it down to the manager to change it? Is it down to the players to change it? How do you change it? Uh, I think that's a, a difficult one because I've seen it go both ways. In hindsight, now when I look back, I think well, the manager done the other whoever it might have been. But there's things, you know, that can happen. I remember under Brewster, you know, I remember looking around at the dressing room and feeling like nobody was happy. This is this is Brewster's first spell I'm on about. There was guys that weren't happy with the way training was going. Brewster was big in his fitness. And but we were winning games. We were winning games. We're, and I've seen we were winning games, you know, and we weren't losing. You know, we are doing okay. We were mid-table in the Premier. Whereas there's you'd think to yourself that that would be a reason for the team not to be doing well. But it just never it just never happened that way. There was guys that weren't happy, but who were doing well on a Saturday. So in a sense, you're going, 
Craig Brewster was doing a good job. Right. You know? So I think it's tough to point the finger. Sometimes managers, they get the rub, rub of the green. And I think back when Steve Parkson done well, he got his move to Aberdeen. When John Robertson done well, he got his move to Hearts. When Craig Brewster done well, he got his move to Dundee United. So, yeah, managers live and die by what happens in the field. But they also, you know, when the team's doing well, they do get the plaudits. You can't coach fight, though. See, if you don't fight as a player, as a man, it's hard to coach. There was no fight that game I at thought all. You said, I thought you said that you can't coach shite. Sorry. Well, you, you, that night you couldn't coach shite. They were shite. <laughs> but no, no, you can't coach fight. There was no fight in that team. And it's, it's nice we've turned the corner a wee bit there. And I think William said about Bristol, I think maybe a personality clash with some of the boys in Bristol, although they were performing. Maybe the personalities didn't really go on. But yeah, that part of the game, was just no fight in the team. So... <laughs> I just say as well there, as well just to jump in on what Billy Dodge, you know, maybe sometimes I think with a manager, I mean, I remember Robo was good for that as well. He would sometimes say things to the press and, you know, we would know that, that he said it. And it, I think it works sometimes, you know, and you, you get wind of it. Okay, there might be a couple that take it really personally, but you, at the end of the day, you do want to prove yourself. Oh, the kind of message through the media. So he'll say something to the media yes. and you'll, you'll read the paper. Aye, aye. aye. It's hard to inspire them to fight once the game's already started. That's what I mean. But are, they, are they in the right mindset, you know, before the game? You know, I don't know that. That's the thing. I suppose the response, because that was the first time, actually, people people are very, very quick to say, oh, the manager's lost the dressing room. I've never really seen any games, even last season, but I thought that was the case, especially when they came back in the second half of the season. But that part of the game, I did kind of think, actually, you know, maybe maybe this is happening, because yeah. it really looked like they didn't give a shit. But well, then the response subsequently has been really good. So now I'm thinking, well, that's probably not the case. Yeah, I think a lot of the unrest is probably because of the two runs. The 11-game run last season, the nine-game run this season when people saw it happening again. Now, there is um, it's a rumour, and, and I saw a, a former Cali Thistle player had, had tweeted something to this nature that, uh, and it's only a rumour, you know, it's conjecture. We say it's, it's top of the pod, it's just conjecture. Um, he, Billy Dodds was told he had two games to save his job, and those two games were Cove and Arbroath. Is that accurate? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um... I think, see if, see if we didn't have the injury crisis we had and we had a full, full team and we were playing as shit as we have been, he'd have been out the door before Christmas time. Um, but you've got to give him a bit of slack. I mean, it's not as if all, people, I've heard people saying, fancy, it's down to training. All the, all their injuries are different. Their impact injuries yeah, in the yeah, game. We've been over that before. They're, I, all, they're but, all completely different injuries. But, but again, the, the, there's no excuse. Pe- but there's a, there's a stick that people can use to beat him. You know, we're, just, we're just playing devil's advocate. But yeah, so 22 as a whole, I think it's played 33-1-9. That's, that's not good. You know, as a win percentage, that's not good. We've won I, two. Uh, we've won two games now in twenty twenty three. We're nearly a well, a, nearly a a third of the way to to getting the same record he had the entirety of last year. So that's that is as ever quite unconvincing. So I think this playing fits and starts. I know that you can talk about the injuries, but the fans, a lot of fans, just get frustrated by it all. You know, I mean, last season obviously our great start kept us in that league after the ship mid season performance. Obviously, that's back to. Where we are now. If we win four or five games in a row, we're right back up there because the league's so small. So uh, you can skew the results say we want. You can modify it, say playing good or bad, but you, you can't not use injuries as an excuse. I mean, my only thing that disappointed Dodge, he said he wasn't going to use them as an excuse when they first started, and then four or five games in, it's because of injuries. So mm-hmm. that, that, that well, they're a problem or they're not. So. Well, no, I don't. I don't really mind that. Actually, I think you know, in a in a situation like this, you know, they are so obviously having a, a really debilitating team and debilitating effect on the team that you, they can't deny it. But 
my kind of issue generally, not that, you know, people are kind of going, oh, you know, we, we get rid, blah, blah, blah. You know, people kind of are massively overreacting. The reason that I really don't know about um, Billy Dodds yet is that we've dominated maybe something like two games, three games in the entire time he's been here, I can think of. And when I say dominate, what I mean is those games when you, you're absolutely in control of a game, you know, when you're you're you you're you're constantly you know the team looks relaxed throughout. They don't have those sticky periods where they sort of um, are you know just really controlling and the, the whole team is sort of um, you know on song you know. And I know that's a hard thing to do, especially with the budget we've got. But again, if we're talking about being a title challenger, if we're talking about being a team that um, are actually going to go up, then you think that we might have had a few more of those. Whereas I think the team has consistently been sort of, you know, good period, bad period, you know, fits and starts, you know, rarely kind of maybe putting together, you know, you know, like there'll be one good half and one bad half or, you know, this sort of thing, one good spell, one bad spell. You know, I know it's, uh, I know we're a team with limited budget. I know it's been a fairly even league the last couple of seasons, but I still kind of think that um, the teams with really strong ambitions to go up are able to kind of click like that a little more often than we've done under them. But I just think we're victims of this league and how other teams play against us as well. Yeah. Well, no, true. I mean, I don't know about other teams playing against us. I think we're more maybe a victim of the fact that the budget is slightly lower. But if you look at the teams we had in the past uh, that, that did come out of this division, then the team that Liam was in, you know, they oh, had games they, they were right. absolutely they had teams when games when they were absolutely imperious. Steve Parsons and team the season before that were like that. Um Terry Butcher's team in 0-9-0-10 was was like that. At the same time, there were players that were able to make the step up and go beyond um, that in the Premier League. You know, for example, the team uh, that we had under Butcher had Graham Shinney starting to come through, for example. Johnny Hayes was in it. Adam Rooney was in it. They all played to a much higher level. In Liam's day, there was like David Bingham and, um, you know, all the players that carried us, you know, through three or four seasons in in the Premier League. So I do think that the quality was better. We were probably relatively to the time paying better than we do now as well. We were better resourced, but at the same time, those are the sorts of teams that tend to win leagues, you know, and I just, you know. I think, I do, just to go on the, on the coaching side, but our managerial side, I do think that when I when I watch the boys play, they play some good footy. It's, uh, you know, you're sitting there, there's some good football getting played. You can see it. As you can see it's there. There might just be, for whatever reason, it's that, that winning mentality where you can't put it together week in, week out for a stretch of games. Um, I don't know, you, you need to go back to back to back. And it's not it's not that you're watching the game and you're going, oh, they're, they're doing that again or they're doing this or they're just humping it long or whatever. There's a good mix there. They've got pace. They've got pace on one side. They've got ability at the other. They've got boys that can, a variety of boys that can play through the middle. They've got Billy holding it up up front. There is some good football. I just think it, it's, for some reason, we're not putting it all together for a run of games. We need you need three or four good leaders to get this league. So, so maybe that. So j- just out of curiosity, the question all is: What do you see? I was going to ask about the midfield actually earlier on. What you see in the midfield, or what formation you prefer? But what do you actually see as your best side, or who is in that side? Love it. Go, so ah, let's go. Question. Let's go back to front. Ridgers. Right, right, right. Green Ridgers. Yep, yeah. four of us are Green Ridgers. Eh? Mm-hmm. Divine and. Yeah, Divine and in the middle. Aye, D- Divine and D's. Divine and D's in the middle. Yeah, I, yeah, if he's Delaney and Carson at left and right back, I'd probably say. Yeah, I think I think Delaney. I think Delaney is, is probably Delaney definitely. I, th- I think the, yeah, I think the guy's yeah. brilliant when he's when he's on yeah. it. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. I go with that. Back four's agreed. Glim, that's that's easy. Midfield's a bit of a tricky one because I'd, I'd have Cammy Harper in there in midfield. 
But where they put him oh, in, no chance. I, no, I, I, I like I like Cammy, but no, he's. We were talking about experience. You've got to have Allardyce in there. Oh, Welsh, 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 and Allardyce. Welsh, no, Allardyce. Yeah, I'd have half as a ten. I mean, he's got one day left foot. See if you could train him to be a ten. Be a great player, but that's that's my opinion. Who would you have as a ten? Harper is a ten. I think he's okay. a good ten. Yeah, he can pass the ball. Maybe, maybe, maybe not tight angle. Ball into feet. Doran's still got it at that level. Roddy McGregor's a great ten. He's an option for me. So yeah, I think there's quick question mark over the ten. We've never really had a settled I, one. But I, 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 I'd have done Dan McKay on one side, and then you know if we got him as he was at the end of last season. Samuel's. Was, yeah, Samuel's. You know, uh, have him. Do you know? Do you know the moment I would have Shane Sutherland if he was fit? Ten goals, ten goals last season hasn't been replaced. Yeah, he's, he's big, he is strong. I think with players like Dan McKay and Jay Henderson, who are actually really supplying well, then Shane Sullivan can hold the ball up. He's powerful. Yeah. He'll, he'll I forgot about Shane. That's, that's terrible. I forgot yeah. about him. Yeah. That's that, a good that show. Nice. Best ten, Martin Glancy. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Um, Liam, you came through at Celtic. You played at Forfar, Peterhead, Elgin, St Mirren. Uh, any notable managers there? Any unusual training methods? Uh, looking at your record, I know you played just the one game under maths teacher uh, Tom Hendry oh. at St Mirren. So we, oh. you're not a fan of Pythagoras' theorem? Or... No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was very much a school teacher type, actually. That was just before I came up to Inverness, actually, but well, the Samaritan thing for me, after I left Celtic, I never even really wanted to go down that route. That was, that was bad advice. Um, I wish I just came straight up to Inverness, you know. But noticeable managers. I mean, coaches, you know, when I think back to the Celtic days, Willa McStay, an extremely good coach. Um, Martin O'Neill, for, for the first teamers, was a great motivator. That was his thing. You know, about motivation earlier on. Um, that's what he was able to do. Did you, have a lot, did you have a lot of um, interaction with Martin O'Neill? I just when he kicked me out the door. No, just here and there, here and there. But I was, at that point in time, I wasn't in the, in the frame um, for the first team, but he, he did a good job. Um, but for me, Pelly had his own way about him. You know, he had, um, he had his own methods, methods of his madness, and it, and it, and it worked um, to a degree. And then Robo, for me, Robo, the combo of Robo and Parkey was the best. It was the best combination. Oh, I have everyone said Donald Park. I mean, he's just he's renowned yeah. across the coaching world, isn't he? Yes. He was a great coach. Um, and the likes of Craig Brewster and Malky Thompson. Now, believe it or not, Malky. Malky Thompson was actually a really good he was a good motivator, actually. Yeah. And some of the guys at the time sort of were unsure. Ah, he's this and that and the next thing. But I, I found that he was a good motivator. He got boys up for it. And we got some good results under them. Um, but yeah, they, they all had their own, their own quirks, their own styles. And sometimes you do well when you like it. And sometimes you do well when you don't like it. So it's, it's a tough Liam, one. Liam, you, I'm just looking at my top managers. You must have been there when John Barnes was there. Were you about the club in the, the night of the, the famous Super Cali yeah. Ballistic? Were you there? Yeah, well, at that point, then I was actually in the first team squad at that point. You would have been that. Um, you would have been that. Been the year before the rest. That's right. So, <laughs> but I was there. And I witnessed the whole thing. You know, the whole doing. Yeah, you downstairs in the dressing room. You're in that as well. No, but oh, I know right. there was a. I know there was a fallout. I was. I was outside. Right. Okay. You <laughs> can hear. Away. I wouldn't have run in with a crash helmet. Ah, uh, big Viduka. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was there for that one, and then and then I was lucky enough the next the next time. We, we got the good result was up at, at Cali Park. 
and we got the one nil. Dennis scored. Um, I, remember, I remember you coming on, just shouting "run" because you keep you come on the last few minutes just chasing balls. I keep I, 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 I said, I said <laughs> "fucking run, Keel, fucking run." <laughs> chase that ball. Uh, but I was on the pitch after the game. That was a different story. But I it was. Uh, remember that? You should, yeah, you must have got five ten minutes that game, didn't you? I just came off in ten minutes. Aye. Um, like I say, just ran, worked hard, Aye. and made, made sure of the win. That's right, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Right, Liam. Right. Before we before we go on to our, our next section, I'm going to do do a, a quick fire five. Right, I want you to answer these first thing comes into your head. Don't have to give any explanation. Answer the question, then we'll move on. Okay. Uh, first thing comes out of your head best player played with Viduka your favourite uh, football memento first division winner's medal proudest moment in football player of the year when we win the league the worst drinker you've ever played with define that <laughs> who's, who's an absolute embarrassment? Not like who's who's no. bad in the drink. So. Uh, no, there's there's been there's, there's there's been many. Name one. JP McBride. Oh, I was thinking at Celtic, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He was lightning as a kid, actually. Yeah. And a, a, last one for now. Who is the laziest Wait, player? Who's the laziest player you've ever played with? <laughs> laziest. Laziest. Alan Morgan. Oh, jeez. Well, boys in Blackburn, the left field. Nice squeeze in a story about Alan Morgan. Away you go. Where Alan Morgan's came up. There was a few of them at the time, but Blackie, Morgan. Liam Fox, aye, then, Edinburgh boys. Yeah, they all came in. And of course, they, Blackie and I think Morgs came up from Blackburn as well. Dead eye. Mm-hmm. Right. So, they're just in a door. We're playing Kilmarnock away in a reserve game. So, uh, I'm cutting about in the middle of the park, rugby park getting after it. Morgs looked like he's struggling, his fitness wasn't quite there yet, Like so I'm covering him, he's on the left, and I'm covering him. About an hour goes by, I'm, I'm gubbed, I'm getting after it. About an hour goes by, and I don't mind, he's just in the door, he's not got his fitness. An hour goes by, my guy that I'm marking, he makes a run forward, and I let him go offside, I could see where it was going, the guy's about to play the ball through him, I could see where he's going, he runs offside. I looks over, and Alan Morgan's standing there staring at me, he goes, Kill, that was your man. <laughs> I went, Morgs, he's offside. He went, I know, but you were too lazy to match his run. <laughs> I went, Morgs, I've been covering you for an hour. <laughs> and just to add to that, right, he was up, we were out in Italy on a, on a famous pre-season tour, and we're doing these 100-yarders, 200-yarders on a running track, and we get to like the last run on the 100-yarder. The groups were, we get separated in groups, boys that were fast and not so fast and down down the list that went. So I was in a group with the Morgs. And again, I'm wrecked. Me and Hardy, we're wrecked. We've been getting after it. Just trying to outdo each other. Gets to the last run. Bang, go. And I'm off. I'm giving it everything. And just like like Roadrunner, beep, beep, looks up Alan Morgan. He'd done nothing for two hours. <laughs> and then in the last run in the 100 yards, he rips me apart. Oh. He, he actually did have pace. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> Up next, Dan McKay. He's just back from an injury. It's kept him out for months, so things haven't gone to plan this season for Dan McKay, but he's already making his mark since returning with a goal and an assist in the past couple of games. Stevie spoke with Dan McKay. 
it's, it's easy, but a good start for you and the boys. I mean, I can't remember the last time I seen an ICT team score 10, 10 goals in two games. So plenty to look forward to, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. It's probably something, even when I was here, my first spell was didn't score enough goals within games to kill games off. And it seems like the past two weeks we found that killer edge that's maybe been missing for a few years, even this season. They said we, the gaffer told us we need to be more ruthless at the back and going forward. They said football's a, a difficult game, but we need to make sure we do the right things to make sure we give ourselves the best opportunity to win the games. And the past two games couldn't have gone much better. I said obviously the cove was disappointing the goal goal ahead, but the reaction from that and we could have easily have crumbled with the way things had been and felt sorry for ourselves, but we shown a great attitude to go and beat Cove 6-1, put six passes and it could have been more. And then when we mm-hmm. got our Brof, which is a place that no one enjoys going to, I said we got lucky with the weather, but even then it was still windy and to score four goals away from home at any, any ground, and especially at our Brof, was very pleasing. But we've just got to make sure we carry that on and not just have two good results and then one bad one. We need to go on a run now and really show that we're there tight, challenging for the league. No, I agree, mate. And I think, what was changed then, Dan? I mean, I think, I think it's pretty... Pretty open news that you boys had a little meeting after the, the party game and I mean, without hearing dirty laundry, was it more of a case of just coming together and saying, look, this has got to be better and certain individuals are, are, are collectively as a team have got to do things better? I think it was more a realisation of the situation we were in. I said, you can't just keep going and all and thinking everything's going to be all right and something will change. We need to do it ourselves. The coaching staff can do as much as we want, but at the end of the day, it's down to us. It's 11 of us in a park and we need to be a tight-knit group off the park and on the park and that helps get results and that's I would say we're a close bunch I wouldn't ever say there's divides or anything like that Mm. we're a very close bunch but for some reason things weren't working at the time and maybe it did just take that conversation after the party game for people to realise but it also helps getting a lot of experience back in the team I said it's been a very young team all season Mm -hmm. can work in your favour when things are going well but when things aren't going well you don't have that experienced heads to help you out through that situation no, I agree. I mean, it was against Partick, it was a very young team, especially at the back. But looking at the positives the last couple of games, I mean, you're on the score sheet. But what I've been impressed with, Dan, and for a player up top like yourself, is the movement along the front line. Is that something that's been worked on, or is it just a case of it's just coming together? Because you seem a lot sharper, not just yourself, but the rest of the boys up top. Um, I think it's probably to do with confidence, Stevie, to be honest. That's right. what a lot of things happen in football, a bit of confidence, a wee bit more freedom in your play. You'll maybe make a risk. Well, I passed, it might not work, but you've tried the right thing. And maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, people wouldn't have tried that and moved into different areas. Just, I'm not saying you're going to a comfort zone when you're playing, not playing great, but you do try and do things that you're good at and you don't try to express yourself as much and do the simple things. So maybe it's just, maybe looks from the fans' perspective that it is a bit more free-flowing, but it's probably to do with a lot of confidence. And all of us have been on the score sheet as well, which probably helps. And uh, you've got as a contributing assist and Billy that have known each other for a while. So there's always been a relationship there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I've been trying to build up a relationship now with Billy over the past six months, which has worked quite well at times. And then Jay's come in and done really well, giving us another option down the right-hand side. But we seem to have more options coming now, and that's healthy competition for the team, and that's all we can look for, and hopefully that pushes everyone on. Yeah, I've seen that to a few of the boys and fans. People saying we need more new players in them. But I'm thinking, once we get boys back, I mean, any of those boys that aren't playing can walk into the team. And, it, and it's again, it, it provides competition, but... Look at you going, in, especially going in, in, in Saturday, the third goal. I mean, that's sort of a great team move. Welsh, yourself, movement. I mean, to see goals like that come off, I mean, that, that must obviously make all the hard work and training all a lot easier, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You try those kind of patterns in training all the time and you try and build relationships with 
your front men, even Welshy, Heidi, whoever, Roddy, Scotty, of what you want to do. And obviously in the past few games it's clicked and we just need to make sure that carries on. And obviously the third goal was a good team goal, but even in the Cove game we had some very good goals <laughs> from different different ways of scoring goals. I said it wasn't just a one way of one way work and there've been variants of the goals. So we need to keep that going forward and we just need to keep being positive in our play and make sure we're secure at the back as well because that's massive in this league is you find if you're very good at the back in this league you'll do very well and then you just need to be ruthless when you get the chances and that's what we need to do. I haven't liked a Danny Devine back in the, the back four helps doesn't it just sort of shows up with a little bit of experience. Yeah definitely you've obviously got Zach who's a young lad Waldo's still young you know, Max, who's a young lad, Deezy's still young when he plays as many games as he's played. Deezy's still young. They said, you got Dev, who's been there now for two seasons, two and a half seasons, playing it right back, and is now starting to get more grip of it together wise with positioning and helping other boys out as well. And that's a huge thing. And football is helping each other out because there's 11 you on that park, and you need all of you to be working in the same tangent to make everyone work. So, past two games, it's worked, but we can't get too ahead, too ahead of ourselves. and Look, look beyond the games you need to take game by game and we'll just keep plugging away and hopefully be getting those wins As a player obviously you like to get a ball down running at players and stuff like that do you prefer a good Astro a bad grass pitch or do you still take grass over Astro? Um, I'm 50-50 to be fair I prefer playing grass I said you feel better on a Monday anyway after playing on grass I said an Astro you can be quite sore but to be fair with Rafe's Astro and I've not obviously missed the one at St. Ashmere that's just been relayed but Mm-hmm. I said a better Astro can't be good at times, especially this time of year in Scotland because of the weather. As we've seen, like pitches freezing and stuff. Because much I don't want to speak about the party game. The it's a really really soft pitch, right. really heavy, and it does take its toll. And sometimes you like maybe an Astro would be better, but as a player, I prefer playing on grass. Perfect. And then looking towards the end of the season, obviously, I think it's fans. I still think we can win the league. I mean, people who listen to this podcast may think I'm crazy, but I'm sure. You know, boys have that same mindset, but is it a case again now? It's it's playoffs minimum, but obviously get as many points to the board over the next sort of two or three months and get that run going again. Yeah, definitely. We need to put ourselves in that position where you can either win the league or be in the playoffs automatically and not need to worry or need to win games in the last two or three games. We need to make sure we're right up there towards the last five, six games and give ourselves a right good opportunity to either win the league or finish second place because you've seen last year how massive finishing second can be. Playing six games in three weeks is ridiculous. I'm not even going to go into the <clears throat> details of all that and what the boys had to go through last year with that carry on. But I said, obviously, we'd want to win the league and that's the aim at the start of the season. We've got a squad when everyone's fit, capable enough to do that. Even if we have a few injuries, there's still plenty of boys there to be able to push us to win the league. But obviously, playoffs is the minimum. It should be every year is the minimum, if not winning the league. So we need to make sure we put ourselves in a good enough position to either do both or ultimately win the league and everyone will be happy. All right, he's quite honest there, Dan, as, as he usually is, and he talks really well, as he usually does as well. Um, he talks about the realisation of the situation we were in, as he puts it. Um, that isn't something that's been talked about too much outside the dressing room. I've seen one article uh, from Sean Welsh, but it seems like there was more of a clear-the-air discussion after the party game than some fans might have realised, Stevie, certainly more, more than I had realised. I am. I'm. I'm like you. I heard a little snippet. I think maybe Welsh said it in a, a post match, and yeah, it was good that he started went into a little bit more detail. And I guess refreshing to see because sometimes we're talking broads, but it's good that the players are taking this on themselves. You know, the manager can do so much, but you've got to look to your your, your teammate to the right, your left, your dressing room and say, look, let's 
let's let, let, let's tell people about this and show them it. So, no, it was good to see. And I mean, Dan, I always think Dan, he's, he's a confidence player. I think when Dan's head's up, he's 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 as good as anyone in this league. He's lightning. Um, I just think sometimes that when the head goes down, in a situation like that, he can be found missing. But he's, he's obviously still thinks a lot of himself. He's still he's got two and a half years left at Hibs, so I mean, he's got a lot to play for this season. So. He talks about trying to build relationships with Billy. I picked up on that. How key is that? Ey, he's he's our number one winger. Arguably, Billy scores the goals. Um, how 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 key to any promotion charge or any playoff charge does that would that relationship be? Should it come to properly to fruition? Oh, I mean, massive. I think you know all the best teams that we've had have had. Um, Strikers that are able to, you know, put the ball in and like hit double figures, and also wingers that contribute. Whether that's kind of like, you know, David Bingham and Liam Stay with uh, Paul Ritchie ahead of him, and um, or um, like Johnny Hayes, Johnny Hayes with Adam Rooney, or um, someone else there that was kind of like springing to mind as well quickly. But you know, that sort of ability of a, of a kind of chemistry between your front three, four, or whatever, I think is absolutely crucial. You know, and of course, Dan didn't have that opportunity to play with Billy last season, did he? You know, Dan, Dan, Dan wasn't there, so that sort of um, um, that's something that's just sort of yeah, hopefully going to. Um, you know, like develop over the over the run, and you know if they're both going to stay fit. And I think keeping Billy as fit is absolutely crucial. You know, he's really playing well at the moment. He's really playing like a leader, and also he can probably kind of teach Dan a certain amount. You know, Dan seems like an experienced player now, but actually he's still pretty young. So I think that's yeah, I think it's absolutely vital. And do you prefer grass or astroturf? Don't know. I haven't smoked astroturf. I wish I wish he'd said that. Classic, <laughs> classic. Probably only fools only before his time. Before his time. <laughs> Uh, uh, PC for that mate. Uh, he signed a four-year deal with Hibs, yeah. So he's a long-term project for them, unlike Lee Johnson. For McDonald, I'm the castle, Liverpool's man, Weechies Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Judas City, Farland Park, the Library, Spectrum Center, the Monkey Story, Cali Festival, the Golden Mile, Music Center, Maalan. It's head-to-head, head. it's time for the big guns, the strikers. Two minutes each, opposing arguments, the adjudicators decide who wins. And today in the red corner, it's Manny, the Count, Dooku. And in the blue corner, it's gorgeous George Oakley. Seconds out, ding-ding. Right, Manny, Dooku. First of all, we should give him a short straw here, so congratulations, AY. Uh, nice big guy, we had him on the podcast, lovely guy. The sort of guy you'd take home to your mum, he's just that... God loving church going Sunday, just Sunday, just a nice guy. But no, I thought I thought when we signed Duku, I was quite I was quite impressed with not his second half of the season performance for race the previous season because he hardly played and scored zero. But in the first half of the previous season, he'd only scored five goals, but he was linked with Hibs. He was in a rich scoring vein, looked like a player, and then something happened with McGlynn. I think they'd fallen out, so he was obviously sent bin to the bench and never to be seen again at Wraith. But again, when we signed him, he looked promising. I think. The only goal I can remember was a goal against Peter Head in the Challenge Cup. Uh, good finish, tidy finish. But I think he's a bit, he, he probably sh- showed a bit too much eagerness to score goals. I thought he was the sort of guy who looked eager to impress. But I think he probably did want to come off his backside and he would go on a scoring run. He just looked to try too hard. And that's what was ideally his downfall and uh, got his release. But no, I think if you're putting him up against George Rockley, I think Dooku was a better striker. Uh, neither's a target man. So I know... People like think they're, they're big in the target, man. They're not. Duku is a striker that could have offered more, but just a nice big Ding, guy. ding, 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 ding. That's your minute up. Good, thank, thank goodness. On to Love gorgeous me. George. 
George Oakley, you mean? So good we bought him twice. Okay, right. I mean, we weren't actually lining the streets of Inverness to kind of welcome him back. You know, we, I think the general response was pretty sort of underwhelmed. But um, it's, it's arguable that he's not done enough yet to justify the decision to bring him back. But he could still do that. You know, we've got half a season to go and we're a team in the up. But let's face it, the, the response to Oakley coming back was meh. The response, if we'd said we're signing Duku again this summer, it would have been... What the fuck Hallelujah. No, it would not. <laughs> Absolutely opposite. I mean, for, right, facts speak for themselves, right? Manny Duku, 25 competitive appearances, two goals. 20 league appearances, no goals. And he had plenty of opportunities. He started, I think, eight or nine straight league games at a period when we were winning. We only dropped something like five points. Didn't do anything. Not a dicky bird. No no goals. I don't think he had any assists. I think the games were almost passing him by. I think we did it almost in spite of him. The goals he did score, he had two. The one against Peter Head that you mentioned in a routine to no home League Cup win. And that penalty against Cove Rangers in the 92nd minute when Cove players oh. were probably ready in the dressing room. Ding, 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 ding. He had 14, 14 assists anyway. He was all yeah. over the place. It was a real, I'm not deciding this. Uh, our, 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 our guest panellist, uh, Liam Keogh, can decide it. But it was a different... Uh, different approach there stevie talked Fresh, about how, stevie uh-huh. talked about how great manny duke was and uh, anyway didn't talk about how great george Oli was he talked about how shit manny duke was just um, mate, well actually it talks about how nice <laughs> manny duke is can i give can i give you my closing line go on then. manny duke is a lovely man he lives a virtuous life and cheers up sick children at hospital at christmas time yeah. but he's not a championship striker george oakley <laughs> might be all right, Liam. Don't, um, don't see how many hospitals do you, George? Yeah, yourself, you, you bastard. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you've seen both Duku and Oakley play, I presume. Um, who, who do you think wins that argument? No, I've seen a wee bit of both. <clears throat> and I think Duku's a nice guy, but Oakley's a better player. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Sorry, I, 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 back, no, back, listen, I knew that before the argument started. See, but who would you take home to your, your mother? Big Duku, wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. There you go. George was probably trying to shag. George a shag, and he'd probably try and pump her. So, uh, <laughs> I Duku, uh, Duku would, uh, Duku would. There's a level. Deep, no, you can just hear I've the got, level um, dropping. Right. By the way, Moff, <laughs> like you said, I didn't. That I, I do have George's stats here. I was just being too verbose about Duku being shy. Um, do you know what? Do you know what his stats are? Like, but roughly, his goal scoring stats. No, but I, for I us, for us in general, just everyone. Aye. I'll go, every, go every four or five games. Aye, what, what yeah, is it's, five it's, or it's one. It's one in four, which is actually better than I thought. Aye, Duku's one in twelve. He's not a lot of minutes in this this, this time around, has he? Really, to be honest. Aye. So one in one in four, but he only plays four games a season. Um, Aye, Liam, you you came through as a, as a striker at Celtic. Um, yeah. What straight what strikers did you play with at the various clubs? Um, I imagine you you know you know who the best is. Linus Hislop. Who was the worst? Oof. The worst striker. Well, <clears throat> I would actually say Harold Bratback. All right. Jesus really? Christ, eh? Uh, Harold Bratback. It was just um, because well, the only reason I'm saying that is because at Celtic, you know, you're always, any any centre-forward's getting chances. You're always getting chances. Now, don't get me wrong. We sort of forgave him a wee bit. He got a goal when we stopped 10 in a row. Um, at Celtic Park against St. Johnston, but um, I think on the whole, the whole, you know, like Viduka was phenomenal at holding it up and, you know, bringing other guys into play. Andy was great at finishing. Henry Larson was what he was, you know, and then you come to, um, when, I, when I talk about Inverness, you know, I'm talking about the likes of Dennis Wynas and the likes of Paul, Paul Ritchie was just a, you know, goal scorer throughout, never Gabby stopped scoring goals. No. Um, so the likes of Bratbuck was like one of them where he was, he, he was doing none of the above, really. Um, he wasn't, you wouldn't have put him as a hold up 
play type of guy, and he certainly wasn't a prolific goal scorer. All right, well, up next, the January transfer window. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No bars or cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. And now we take a look at the January transfer window in a, well, the January transfer window over the years in a section I'm calling Winter Windows. Remember to get your winter windows that won't cost the earth. From Cairngorm windows, reduced heat loss means lower energy energy consumption. PVCU saves millions of trees worldwide. Low energy manufacture reduces harmful gas emissions and they're just great windows. Get your winter windows from Cairngorm windows today. Did I mention I've moved house? On to the transfers. Uh, Jay Henderson. So Jay Henderson on loan from St. Mirren until the end of the season. A highly thought of young man who broke into the first team before Stephen Robinson came in and changed the system. So he's here to get games. He's already making an impact. Ben Woods, 20 years old, spent part of his youth career at Man United's Academy until he was 16. Um, called up for England at age 15. Moved to Burnley Academy at 16. And then he's left them uh, last year. So Henderson will no doubt go back to St Mirren. He, he's looked good already. But Woods could be one for the future if he gets his chance to impress, but many mid-season additions have struggled to make an impact since the window was introduced some 21 years ago. The boys have looked through the history books and they've picked out some of the best, but hopefully uh, mainly some of the worst. So let's go through the window. Looking out my window, looking at the rain, nothing left but sorrow, nothing left but pain. I'll start first, right? Richie Byrne, Dunfermline, 2009. I think he got one appearance. Uh, I think he was at Aberdeen as well. Big Irish uh, left side of centre half, but from one appearance I remember it was absolutely hopeless and uh, yeah, a shocking January signing. But there's worse to come, so uh, we're starting on a on a high with that guy. Richie Byrne. What I'll say with Richie Byrne is I, I remember saving talks from getting a doing from Richie Byrne <laughs> and his mutters on Margulis Beach one year. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, when you go to rush, do you? Don't leave, don't leave us hanging. Saved, saved his life. Really? Jesus. Well, the, the, the Aberdeen squad were on the beach giving talks about a hassle, so I had to step in and make sure he got home all right by a couple of San Miguel's. <laughs> uh, I went for uh, Claude Napka, um, who, for some bizarre oh, reason, Terry wow. Butcher had been tracking for, and I quote, a good number of years. <laughs> which makes me really question Teddy Butcher's scouting methods. Um, we got him January 2012, um, and we had the usual kind of like YouTube clip show of all these amazing goals he scored. But it was a bit weird because the clip show was literally just like photographs of him, still images and stuff. So um, that you know that should have set off some alarm bells. There were some like nice, nicely taken goals in there as well, to be fair. But um, yeah, he was a bit of a disaster. He actually started quite well, to be fair to him. He came on against uh, St Mirren, I think it was, um, and just you know almost broke the post or the bar with a long-range effort. Uh, he then turned in a slightly bizarre and poor showing against Dunfermline. He was played as the lone target man up front, and he looked like a fish out of water. And after a couple of months, you could tell he wasn't really feeling it, and the fans were obviously not really... Um, you know, appreciating the lack of effort when he came off the bench, and um, it was all over by April 2012. You know, less than three months after he had signed, he was uh, released. So, you know, however many years trying to get this guy in, and then he was gone in three months. So, I, th- I think he's signing. becoming a he's fast becoming a fast becoming a trope 
of this podcast. I'd, I'd like to find out where he is and get him on the pod. You'll you be fine. He's a cult hero at Luton. So he basically, yeah. he, was, he, he won a trophy at Luton, like the Johnston Paints, one of the sort of trophies. But it just go, he goes to Luton games now in pubs with fans, taking selfies <laughs> and signing autographs. And uh, I mean, it, it was like 12 years ago he scored in this cup final. But yeah, he's a big Luton fan. So he's he's still got his, um, his Twitter banner, Twitter header is still a photo of him in a Cali Thistle shirt. So he obviously yeah. must like us to some degree. <laughs> Brian Kerr. Signed by Terry oh, Butcher in, uh-huh. in 2009. I think the, the issue with him is that his pedigree was really good. He started off yeah. at Newcastle and he played first team for Newcastle a fair bit. He played for Coventry, he played for Hibs. 79 appearances for Motherwell, scored a few goals for Motherwell. Um, and he was only 28 when he joined us. So you thought Butcher's bringing in a player with experience that can maybe calm down a team that's kind of on the rocks here and struggling. Uh, and he played, um, you know, he had 12 appearances. He played every single post-game, post-split game as our arses completely dissolved and and we went down. And I just think he was someone that probably could have stepped up a little bit more, done a little bit more. Right, I've got, I'll, I'll give a couple of ones, right? This is a, so Sam Winnell, who later was sold for a million pounds uh, to Barnsley. We got him on loan for Wolves and he was absolutely dug shite. Um, but this was around the time we were signing like Aidan Chippendales and the old likes under Butcher. I mean, Butcher... For all the good signs he made, he made a lot of shockers over the years. Right. But someone, oh, I just ne- never, never got a lot of game time. But when he came on, he just looked like a man lost. And uh, I think it was only two years later, and he got a move for a million quid, which obviously shows that we obviously didn't get the best out of him, and someone else did. But I've got him, Steve, Steve, Steve Williams, who was sent from Bradford as a hairdresser, um, celebrity hairdresser now. So if you've seen anyone on, on like the Love Islands, then Steve's probably cut their hair. Um, yeah, could you link him in with Ross Draper then? <laughs> uh, probably could I that's a link there I, he's not done my hair but the other two were Jordan Gibbons from QPR who I can't remember even playing for his but he made one appearance Louis Lang who was Doug Shite um, on loan in 2017 okay. and Darren McCauley he's a bit of a sad story he's been in, in, in the war so I'm not, I won't go on that but yeah he was a guy that was highly sought after from Derry I think Robbo managed him maybe back in the day and he looked pretty decent he scored a good goal against uh... Stevie you've done a lot of research for this normally research isn't, <laughs> research isn't your thing <laughs> I just know, I remember shite signings, mate. But um, <laughs> I've just got, I've got five wiki, I've got five Wikipedia pages sitting up in front of me. Here so he scored one goal, good goal against Morton. I remember, um, but yeah, never set the header. And the other one is ex Celtic player Lewis Toshney, who just had um, oh, rubber kneecaps and just uh, yeah was gub by the time we got him, mate. And uh, I think he's now he's at he's at a junior team in Dundee, I think now managing. But yeah, he was injured in his first game, came back and got injured again. So unfortunately. What about, uh... What about this guy? I don't know if you've sure you heard of him. Stephen Hislop, signed in January 2002. Don't know what happened uh, to him. Rotten sold him to Gillingham, didn't we? We got money for him, so um, good luck to him. But, you know, he, uh, he only scored 11 goals in 48 games. I, feel, uh, I thought he'd scored. It feels like he scored more. That's George, Oak, that's George Oakley-esque. <laughs> that's, <laughs> he sells fake Ray-Bans in Embrace somewhere, because if he wants some dodgy Ray-Bans, then go to Hislop. isn't he? He scored against Clyde, though. He scored an important one against Clyde. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And he swung on the bar in Dingwall as well. Oh, yeah, that's when we fell in love, didn't we? Have you seen the podcast? What, one pack you had on him for that goal, didn't you? Yeah, with that top off, but yeah, good luck to you, Hissy. Did we, just on this, before we finish up with this one, did we sign Darren Markey in January? Aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye. So, just to say, I don't think he scored, right? No, he didn't. He missed a set against uh, St Mirren at Love Street. I don't know if you played that game, Liam, but he was uh, he was I, terrible. But no, but even back to Aberdeen had a good career as well. He grafted T- Terry Gattusi. Oh, I see. Uh, same uh, time, same from, time as... um, I think he got either released 
from or was signed from Hibs, and he played 18 minutes before he got injured and was never seen again. That's right. uh, see, that that's not fair to call him, judge him too harshly because he got injured. Whereas, uh, but yeah, he gets his name on the mug. Yeah, whereas Henri Anier. Oh God! By the way, I thought he'd be great for us as well. Like, I know, yeah, he'd be shy. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen appearances in sixteen seventeen. He's a striker. Fifteen appearances, no goals. But yeah. I get, what, what a internationalist. So come on. Aye, yeah. Aye. So yeah, yeah. Anier is it was my is my kind of like vote for the worst ever. You know. Did, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty offended by Tarmo Kink. I was going to say. Oh, I, 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 Kink I think we'll put this out to the Twitter audience at some point. Then. Uh, are, we, are we naming any good ones? Who's who's everyone's one favourite January signing? Like good players. Well, I'd have said mine already. Who's that? Oh, I'm I'm what? Sorry. Well, I, I was going to go with Greg Tansey version two point. Aye, you're shouting. Uh, well done, guys. I mean, I'm between. I'm between. Ed, Ed, Eddie O'Ferry, there's my shout, big Eddie. Uh, okay, good. Mm. All right. So I was going to say I'm between Flip, Filippi Murray and uh, O'Ferry. I think O'Ferry in terms of what he did, but Murray, Murray was bright. He was the one player that really almost kept us up in uh, 09 or 10. So uh, other one I'd venture forward is uh, Doran, obviously, because he was signed on loan initially right. in January, and uh, obviously, what some what 10, 11 years later, he's still with us. Uh, Liam, uh, before we move on, was there ever was there ever any moves you considered, or, or was there one that you wish you'd taken? Well, the the move that I wish that I never took was to finish playing when I was twenty six. You know, when I look back at that, I wish I never made that decision. But why did you? Why why did you do that? Was it injury? Well, yeah, Elgin. I'm going to play Elgin every week, Chris. Well, <laughs> Elgin, I actually played. I was playing Elgin when I was working offshore, but um, before that, you know, my my time at Inverness. When I look back now, it was, it was hard-headed. Me and Charlie, we speak about it now. And I was frustrated after being out for a while with my groins. Um, eventually got operated on that, done the job, you know, but I'd been out for so long. That when I was out initially, it was Craig Brewster, who I was doing well under. By the time I come back in, Craig's gone and, and Charlie's in. Now, I played with Charlie towards the end of his career, but, you know, Charlie had other things in mind. He signed Rankin, who was a top player, by the way. John Rankin really was oh, really a good player. Fit, great attitude, just a top professional. In fact, just to give him some props, I reached out to John recently to see if he would meet my boys. I wanted my boys to meet him just for some advice, and he did. And he looked after us. He took us down to Hamilton. We met him after one of his games. He's having a hard time of it with management just now. Right. Um, but a top pro. Um, but anyway, Charlie brought him in, and he was in, and I was getting in here and there. I was playing sometimes, but other times I wasn't playing. And I was actually offered to sign an extra year with Inverness and because of the way I was at the time, you know, highly strung, I've knocked it back and says, no, I, I was speaking to Steve Patterson at the time, he'd went to Peter Head and I basically put it out there that I wanted to go where I was going to be playing, you know, but in reality, you know, looking back at it now, I would, should have, could have, would have, should have, but I should have stuck at it and just yeah. bid my thing. So that's the one. That's the one thing that, you know, things work out the way they work out. You know, that's life. But I was probably a bit hard-headed on my part there. That was it. That was the end of the road for me. They wanted me to stay on, stay as a part-time player, but I never wanted to be a, a part-time player. That was it. That was the end of the road. So I was only young, you know, I was 26, 27 by the time I was on the rigs. And when I think of that now, I've been, off, I've been offshore for longer than I was a professional footballer now. Was Bobby there as well? Bobby's Bobby? I Peterhead, yes. Bavage was there. But yeah, Bavage. I'll tell you something I want to say about Bavage. See, try to get a layoff from him when you're coming through from midfield. You, you want to <laughs> live. The boy's not giving you the ball. 
he's got one thing in mind. That was Winter Windows. First few windows are North Scott are also welcome to get into the show. McDonald, Love the Castle, Liverness Men, Weegee's Hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Tourist City. I Okay, the club, what's been going on behind the scenes? Not a lot at the moment, but let's let's discuss the main headlines. There's a new director, uh, Panos Thomas. Um, he's a retired consultant, orthopaedic sports and knee surgeon. Listen, I write the jokes here. Uh, he's previously advised Arsenal, Watford, Barnet, NK Dons, Brentford, Wickham Wanderers, Leighton Orient, Wimbledon, provided events to the British, British Fencing, uh, British Ski Federation, British American Football League and other elite sporting organisations. But the question everybody wants to know, has he got any fucking money? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of the guy and uh, he's got an impressive CV. He's been around the houses, which is good, but it's also worrying because how many clubs did you mention there? About 10? Oh, um, yeah, it looks like one, two... And, and see if a yeah. British fence tonight. I could be fifth in Britain for fencing because I don't only have four other players, so I don't think that's much of a clout. But I don't know. I don't know. I hope he's got. I don't think he's probably coming in with money. It's maybe for some business acumen that he's got some some contacts, maybe some experience. But yeah, it's new to me, and I don't know much about him. So I'll let the boys chip in with that. I don't. Have, I don't have much to chip in apart from the fact that um, people who are, I don't know. Delighted to kind of always see the worst never scenario. Um, we're, we're given an absolute gift here because um, I think he was involved in Watford at the time of uh, kind of was a sort of an unsuccessful or a takeover that kind of went badly wrong sort of thing. And so I, you know, you might went well, I want to cut this moth, but um, <laughs> <laughs> not, at the, moment, not, not at the moment. I like it. You might well leave it in to get I, 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 I didn't, I didn't get a chance to even look back in this and get all the stuff straight. But uh, just for the fact that uh, the claim was that he was, he was a front man for a, for a shady takeover. I um, might have to cut is, this now. <laughs> right, no, as I was saying, the story. The story that's peddled <laughs> is that he was a front man for a shady takeover. So the fact that uh, we announced him joining in the middle of a really dodgy run was would do absolute gold to to <laughs> anyone that's totally like wanting to wanting to absolutely put the knife in the club. I've I've no I've absolutely no idea. He's probably he's probably a really nice guy, and it's, it's great that we've got a knee surgeon now on site. You know, that, exactly. That, this is the main thing, isn't it? Uh, stick, stick, stick a big allegedly sticker on that as well. Um, just, yeah. a bit of, just a bit of fun. Uh, something else I've read: impending financial doom again. I've just read some stuff online. Um, you know, what's that? What's the real story here? St. Mirren lost one point six million. In the last year, it was recently announced. So things things aren't aren't all that bad, sir. Are they? I guess no, they could be worse. But obviously, the club's still making loss year on year out at the minute. Um, I don't think this was ever a formal position that the club announced. But you know, I think a lot of people were led to believe that the club had kind of budgeted they could survive about three years for about three years outside of the Premiership before they had to really get back there. Um, to kind of rake in all the TV monies and extra sponsorship stuff you get from being in the top flight. Uh, we're now into what? I mean, what is this now? Our fifth, sixth season? You know, I'm really kind of losing <laughs> losing the plot a little bit with how long we've been in the championship. Um, so you'd have to imagine that, you know, finances are probably as strained as they ever have been. Um, and despite all the cuts that we've that the club seems to have made over the years, um, you know, we're still losing uh, money hand over fist, it seems. Um, it's hard not to get you know, quite kind of concerned about that. Um, but I do also think it's also a situation that a lot of clubs are going to be um, facing 
Um, I think what's absolutely critical at this moment in time is that the club cannot afford to burn any bridges with um, the local community, which unfortunately may well already have happened with the recent um, issues surrounding the um, concerts. Um, But what they also need to do is not take the fans for granted, which we've seen an excellent lesson in how not to achieve that from St. Johnson this week. Um, And I think also you guys had a number of questions in for Scott Gardner um, from fans who do feel like they've been taken for granted over the years. And I do think that the club needs to try and um, kind of make good with that. And hopefully by bringing some degree of, um, I guess, kind of a a feel-good factor back between the fans and the club, we'll hopefully get a few more bums on seats. And that will improve the financial position a little bit. But hopefully it will, more importantly, give the players more support and hopefully get the, and kind of spur them on to hopefully, you know, at least a playoff appearance and maybe promotion um, at the end of the season. We but can only hope. You alluded to the Scott Gardner um, interview and pod there. Mm. So we, we, we got a lot of questions in ourselves um, on Section 94 and Trust. We, we, we did our best to ask them and we got some answers from some of them and some of them were difficult questions and some of them liked the answers in the pod and some people didn't. <laughs> I think one of the things that people were were critical of was the fact that we should have pressed him harder about certain things, which is what I was going to come on with, uh, come on to with um, what Sub was saying. Um, I mean, I think at the time that I was listening to Scott Gardner, and he does he does kind of almost talk you into submission sometimes, which makes it harder to press points. But I was really liking stuff he was saying about the Battery Farm and Red John because it's kind of saying we know that in times of um, a cost of living crisis and other financial pressures, and the club not doing as well as it might be doing, the crowds are going to be you know even smaller than they might be anyway. We can't necessarily rely on fan income, so we're looking for external sources of income. So I think that's a really good thing. But what one of the things that people kind of pointed out was there was no commitment to time. There was no sense of when is this happening? You know, are we guaranteed for this money to come in? Is it definitely going to be a thing? Can he put, um, you know, a time scale on it? And are we going to be okay in the meantime? You know, and have we got a contingency for the things like the rising fuel costs and all those sorts of expenses? And I think, you know, they're right. We probably should have pushed that harder. It'd be nice, you know, if Scott or, or anyone from the club was listening to this to actually get something back on that that we could then transmit or for them, rather than even going through us, to directly speak to the fans and kind of say, look, we should have a source of income, of great income coming in at this point and until then the club is secured or whatever. Because in the meantime, there's kind of um, various rumours flying around. I've heard people say that we were advised to go into administration and all this sort of stuff. I've heard other people saying that there are people circling, waiting for us to go into administration so they can pick the bones and buy over the club at a reduced kind of cost and all these sorts of things. And these sorts of rumours really sort of take hold unless the club comes out and actually answers them directly. Liam, what were your first impressions of the club when you joined back in 2002 and have you seen it develop a little bit over the years? I imagine you'll get a bit of perspective with your lads being in being in the youth team. What changes, good or bad, have you seen over the years or recently? No, well, I've definitely seen a, a massive improvement in how the um, youth teams throughout the ages have developed, you know, and the, the coaching structure and that and there's you know, they're, they're competing across all the age groups, you know, and you see the development of them by the time they get to, you know, under 18 slash first team level. That's definitely improved 100%. When I think back to when I was a first teamer and you had the young boys coming through, um, you know, with all the love in the world, they weren't as good as the ones that are playing now, you know. 
Um, that's just a fact. However, I, I don't know if it's rose-tinted glasses or what, but I just feel like the, the, were the crowd's bigger when when I was playing. I don't know. I don't know what the averages say. Um, but the, I don't know if the crowds are as... I, I mean, I know it's always been 2,000, 2,500, maybe three. Um, and I think maybe when we were Premier, maybe it was three. I don't know. But I felt like in the, in the first, the old first division, when the going was good, we did have decent crowds. I I think that's maybe at the end of the day, it, it's it's a one-team city. You know, there's only um, Carly Thistle there, right, that can go into the Premier League. And I would have just liked to have seen throughout the years with regards to improvement, I would have liked to have seen the numbers going up and up and up as, it, as we progressed as a yeah. club. We should be having three and 4,000 now. You know, you'd like to think so. I did a, I did a graphic for like average attendances ages ago. I don't think it's been yeah. in a long time now, but um, like when we when we won the first division uh, back in two thousand and three, two thousand and four, the average crowd there was approximately give or take two thousand uh, three hundred and seventy five for pretty much um, you know for the next was that five seasons in the uh, the old SPL after that. The crowd, the average crowd was between four thousand and five thousand. Obviously, that's going to be influenced by much yeah. bigger away fans. Mm-hmm. But there was also a big uptake in yeah. you know home season tickets and pay at the gates and everything like that. I think we need to be realistic though, because like people's finances right now, um, and I'm not immune from it myself. You know, they're coming under pressure like never before. So you know, credit yeah. to the club. Um, I will say I, I do I do like the um, what they're doing with this kind of almost you know the same with the train train tickets. This advanced. Um, purchase for for a game, save a couple of quid. A couple of quid's a couple of quid. Um, allow you to run the heating for about five minutes or something in the in the current climate. Still the cheapest ticket in the championship, Muff. Still cheap. Yeah, cheapest yeah. Ticket. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's obviously okay. a fair play them for trying. And, and, and the thing is, actually, just just very quickly on that point, that there's almost a part of me that doesn't want to get promoted because the, the ticket prices in the Premiership are farcical. You know, Ross County are charging twenty eight pounds for an adult to go to Dingwall. That's a joke. We're both standing like, game against. Like, yeah, but Scott, Scott Gardner, Scott Gardner, sitting there rubbing his hands, going twenty-eight pounds per person. Here we go. <laughs> we we'll, we'll go twenty-seven fifty. Right. Twenty-seven fifty. Yeah, just to be better. At um, least they're getting loads of points and goals for their money, though. <laughs> so I've talked about turning up the heat. Let's turn up the heat next. It's Mark Ridgers. So, delighted to welcome back an old friend of the pod. It's been a while, and uh, he's had to watch from the sidelines the last couple of months, but he's good to be back between the sticks. It's uh, Mark Ridgers, how do you mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Jim. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to the weekend, but let's get back a wee bit to, God, when was it? October in Capelo. Um, back in the grim days, I mean, seemed like a long time ago, but just without getting into too much detail, how, how was that night for you? Because obviously we'd, we'd, we'd heard a lot about what happened at, at halftime, but... How did it go for you personally? How was the sort of journey from being out of the team? I know your type of Cammy, and I'm sure you'd be delighted for him, but how was it after after Morton and the subsequent few weeks after that? Yeah, like the game itself was frustrating, you know, like from players' point of view, from obviously the fans' point of view, just everyone around it. Like you said, like dwelling into to my situation, it was you know, the first half, you know, we weren't we weren't good enough. And obviously the first goal, you know, I put my hands up, you know, I could have done um, I could have done a wee bit better. But then there's just other things after that as well. And it kind of led to, to the situation I found myself in at half time. You know, the manager was going through all the goals and, you know, r- rightly so. He felt I should have done better, which I agreed with him. 
you know, and then like a, a few other things were said, which I like I didn't quite agree with that. So I, I said my piece back, but it kind of stemmed from the, the previous game as well. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't all rosy between me and him. So I think that kind of was like, as I say, the, the final straw really that sort of let him sort of go with like he had to be go go at me and you know, there was a lot of the stuff I I agreed with him, but then there was there was one or two things that that was said, which, which which I didn't agree with, that, that caused a reaction from me. Because like nine times out of ten, I'm quite a laid back guy. I don't really get mm. sort of involved in, in, you know. I understand. I think the biggest thing is, I think when you're a goalkeeper, when you make mistakes, and you know, my my mentality is this: listen, I'm going to make mistakes, and I understand that, and I don't make mistakes every week. You know, in right. fact, as I said, it's very few, especially in the last few years, I can think of where I made mistakes that have, you know, sort of cost the team, but. You know, and when it's brought up, Jan, you're, you're you can continuously sort of reminded of it. You know, you, you want to just sort of, you know, someone or someone around you to say, "Listen, it's a mistake, right? You need to get it going." And then from that, as I said, we, we kind of had a we had a disagreement, which, you know, and at the end of the day, as I always say, if you if you argue with your boss, you're going to lose, kind of thing. And that's <laughs> that's what it, which which I found. You know, and decided to to then take me off it at half time, and then you know, it's like sort of sent me out the dressing room, so. I was sitting there a bit, you know, listen, it was it was one of those, I'm, I'm old enough to understand mm-hmm. when I make mistakes and stuff. And I think that's the thing, you know, like the way, as I said, I, I've done a few things from the previous game, which, you know, to the manager and maybe said a few things, which are looking back at it, you know, I shouldn't have done. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I said that when I spoke to him on the Monday after, you know, I think what had happened was he said a few things that kind of cross-wired from what I was saying. And, you know, we're both adults, you know, and mm-hmm. we're both wanting to win you know and that was the other thing as well we're both passionate about especially the club so that was the frustration and just kind of as I said it was just locking horns really and, and then and if you're going to as I said argue with the manager there's obviously going to be one winner so after that there was you know we, we talked you know and the manager said you know what sort of the situation found him give him a decision to make mm-hmm. and then from then going forward he decided to, to go with Kami which like as I said I'm, I'm not I'm not a kid in the game anymore I'm 32 oh. I've been in the game 16 years, so you know, I, I've never been in a situation where I've you know, found, like sort of argued with a manager with that and I found myself self out of the team. But like the other side, if you take the argument men out of it, the manager, you know, I've made a mistake, so mm-hmm. the manager has the right in to, to drop me in the next game. You know, he picks a team, and that's why I always said to him at the end of every game, you know, going he picks the team, it wasn't for me to decide if like if I'm playing or not, it was him, he decides. Right. You know, I put my head down and what I always do every day, I worked hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I give you know the games. I sat like you said. I sat aside. I watched the games. I seen it. It was frustrating, but you know what I seen. You know I could help Kami. I was giving him advice, and you know I was talking through situations that were happening like previous games because, as I said, he found himself in a position as well. His first couple mm-hmm. of games, especially where you know he might have felt that you know he was just chucked in there because of the situation that he found like ourselves and the manager. So you know, but he listened. He handled it brilliantly, and he he, he, he did well. And I think, as I said, the, the kind of you know, the, the people and like the, the boys in front of him as a, as a team, you know, they didn't kind of like help him out a lot, you know, just no. the results were. And, and from that, the confidence after the morning game, the confidence was kind of shot throughout the whole team. You know, I don't hold grudges or that. I just, you know, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. So, I, I, you know, I kept everyone going and positive and tried to keep sort of, you know, as positive as I can within the dressing room. And I think it's, they've seen that and the boys knew that and the manager knew, knew that. And when he spoke to me about when he was bringing me back into the team, that's one of the things that he mentioned. At the time, you know, people have arguments. Managers have arguments with players. It's happened this season with the manager and other players. Players mm-hmm. and players have had arguments. And when you come off the pitch, I'm kind of that guy, you know, what's when it's done, football's done. It's, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you win, lose a draw. You, 
you know, you've got to sort of dust yourself down and go again. Definitely one of those experiences that I've, I've never had before. And, you know, I've learned from it. I learned from it. And then, you know, the manager's point of view, as I said, when we had the chat, I think a few things and it got cross-wired. And mm-hmm. said after that, you know, people just sort of, it grows arms and legs. I was reading some of the stuff on Twitter and stuff. <laughs> And a few conspiracy theories. I mean, yeah. again, it's because you're a goalkeeper, Mark, as well, and goalkeepers generally don't get taken off, and it's it's yeah. it's always amplified, isn't it? And people yeah. think there's more to it. But no, I think I think positive from it. But obviously, you had to sit at the bench. But then Hamilton, the under twenties, I keep calling it under twenties game, but the Challenge Cup game where the, the kids were on. You 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 obviously, I think you were asked to play. I don't think you were told to play. I think you put your hand up to say. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. that's another thing that I'd seen that people were saying, oh, he's made me. That wasn't, like I said, yeah. see, after I left the office on the Monday after the uh, the morning game, you know, for mm-hmm. me, there was no, as I said, it was down to who the manager picking the team and that. So I had no grudges, but, you know, I actually respect the manager as a person as well, you know, so mm-hmm. there was nothing there. But, yeah, yeah. Re- regarding the, the, the Hamilton game was... The club had made a decision that they weren't going to play the first team players because we couldn't risk getting any more injuries and stuff. So when uh, Ryan Essen, obviously, he takes the under 18s mm-hmm. and he asked me, like, would, would, would I like to play in it? Because one being, it's, it's a game, you know, I hadn't played in a few weeks. And then secondly, it's that experience that I have to bring on to the young boys who I know, like I know because I help coach the, the goalkeepers Mm-hmm. Monday and a Wednesday and with it so I know the majority of the, the under 18 squad so the guys who were going to play it wasn't like they were you know new to me or I was new to them kind of thing mm-hmm. so you know I was had it was it's actually one of the more yes we lost but the more enjoyable experiences I've had while being okay. at the club just, just being able to sort of go out there and you know sort of help them through it and for these guys like I told them after you know it's like you said it wasn't an under 18 game an under 20 game it was a first team game so these guys gone play for the club you know obviously the circumstances it wasn't their problem you know it wasn't their fault they were asked to Mm -hmm. do it went out there and they did well no they did yeah and then like the personal note of it is like my wee cousin Lewis Mackey he was he got on as well you know, so for, me, yeah, cousin, yeah. Yeah, so for me to play like from from a family, you know, that was quite a quite a quite a nice thing as well. So yeah, but yeah, I had no issues playing with them. I thought they did really well. I mm. think took a lot of credit out of it, and for a lot of the boys as well. I think seeing the whole match they experienced in the first team, you know, traveling the pre-match meal, they're getting ready for it, playing in front of a bigger crowd than they would normally play, play in front of. You know that situation. So for these guys, that you know, it will help them going forward. Like, mm-hmm. as sad as it sounds, realistically, not all of them are going to be professional footballers. Yeah. But for the ones who do want, go on and do it, you know, it's a great experience for them. So it's been two downbeat. I, I was at part of the game and it was terrible. I mean, just hopeless. I didn't see a turnaround coming. So I know the players had a little chat. Without getting too much then, was it a case that you mentioned a lot about it there? Was it a case of, look, we've got to be better as a team or we've got to do certain things, certain individuals have got to do more things? How, how was it structured? Was it just that air in yeah. the... Laundry type thing. Yeah, it was it pretty much like I think it was just as you said, it was just doing that little bit extra for your teammate, really. And I think the biggest frustration was like coming to the back of mind, you know, there was little sort of like sort of some of the boys weren't happy and not playing, some were, were playing and they felt they were sort of being not picked on and sort of, you know, like they were being hung up to dry kind of thing. So I think, right. you know, so I think it was more or less of just listen, there's no like, there's no denying we, we've got a good team. Like I said before, mm-hmm. once the injuries come back, and you, you know it, it, it's boring to keep saying it, but when you really look at it, it generally is like I said before. We have players that are injured, but if you write your best team out, 
you know, mm-hmm. you ask any of the Cali fans, or, you know, these boys, some of them are getting in there straight away. So, you know, right. it's like that. And I think the frustration from the boys who have been playing, you know, they're probably frustrated because they could be doing that little bit more to help themselves stay in the team. You know, so there was a lot of things sort of around about and outside stuff. And we're, we're kind of just like we just said that we need to focus ourselves at the end of the day to go out there and perform. And then, you know, as I said, it wasn't that big, you know, like you're this, we're this, or we need, and then someone blaming someone else. It wasn't really, right. it, was just, it was just more or less about like, come on, lads, like sort of get the heads back on and, you know, go to the Cove game. And we knew ourselves, it was to, 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 to get ourselves back sort of in the mix of the, 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 in the right end of the, in the table as well. We had to go out and do something and perform. And, you know, as for me, you know, personally getting back in the, into the team was brilliant. And then, Listen, the game couldn't have went any better. A clean sheet would have been, you know, the icing on the cake kind of thing. But I think more or less, even going forward, I think if we can just continue to win games, mm-hmm. you know, I think, like, obviously we'd love to keep clean sheets in every game we play in. But I think most the most important thing at the, the, the moment, because you think there's only 16 or something league games left. Yep. So for us, you know, if, if we want to go on and, you know, try and achieve what we wanted to achieve at the beginning of the season, you know, we can't really afford to be losing too many more. I think that the concerning side, this side, was that there were some performances, you know, in this run that we had where you were looking around going, you know, like you said, upstairs, right. that's not like us. So, you know, I think that's where the kind of sort of bit of fear came from, where we had to sort of give our heads a shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we can put, if we can continue there to get around, like I said, I think when you look at it realistically, it might not be, you know, like we have to, to try win as many as we can, which is obviously the obvious thing to do. But the biggest thing for me is we can't really afford to lose, you know, a, a few more games because we're going to find ourselves completely out of it. And then I, that's not what we want. Because like you said, 10 points is doable. Something more important football. It's a football podcast, but the Rangers clan's extending. You're taking over the city. There's going to be another addition soon, mate. I think the good ladies finished up for maternity today. So yeah. I'm excited to be a daddy. And uh, yeah, more importantly, um, you ready for it? Yeah, I don't know about being ready for it, you know, everyone keeps telling me different things and that, but yeah, I think, as I said, the last, that's kind of helped me, like, through the last few months as well, you know, it's disappointing you're not playing, but when you've got stuff like that in, in your personal life going on as well, you know, you can't help but sort of, like, anxious, but also, like, it's so, we're so, listen, we're, we're over the moon for what's happened, we've we've had a really tough time over the last few years. Yeah, man. You know, so to come through all of this now, it's just one of those things where we're just, you know, we've got a couple more weeks to go. The baby's due around about February 21st, so, you know, I'm painting, decorating, building stuff, <laughs> like, you know, so as I said, the bank balance is going down, so we need to start winning a few more, like, to help, <laughs> you know, but no, like, all of that stuff, and I think, you know, Emma's, like, she's been brilliant through it, and like myself as well, like, like it's, uh, you can't not be excited for what's to come, and everyone's telling me that's this and that, but... I think some people obviously know what we've been through, some don't. So for, for everything we've been through, just like to hold, to be able to hold them in my like my arms that day will be will be incredible. I say worth every moment of it. So, but yeah, I'm yeah, that's more important. I mean, as someone I've got a fifteen month old boy, mate. Uh, you will, no matter what people tell you, seeing to you through your own baby in your arms, mate. You, you can't, you can't, you can't explain it. But bugger football, mate. That's that's his life, mate. And yeah. I mean, that's probably. It's probably kept me going as well, mate. Even when you've not been playing football, knowing that the bigger thing in life is going to come in a couple of couple of weeks' time. So yeah, ha, yeah. Well, and has that's what I'm saying. It's one of those where you just have to sort of embrace everything, and it takes your mind off things. And like I said, it's many many years ago, I decided you know to sort of split football and personal life up. And when you do that, you enjoy football more and you enjoy life more. No, I agree, mate. Agree, mate. So is it is it is it going to be a boy having? Do you know? Yeah, uh, it's going to be a it's a little boy. Yeah, so but it won't oh, have, okay. you, no, 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 no. That's the first thing I said when anyone says that. 
I said, no, no, no. I'll try my best to keep them out of the sticks. But if it's anything like me, I try to stay out of the sticks as well. But okay. no, that, 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 that never happens. So, but no, we'll wait and see, as I said. But this is just the, the overall picture. We're just obviously both delighted and we can't wait right, for, for, him, for him to get here. Right, so February then, the episode, we're hoping that uh, we're not playing away from home that week. Um, and she, uh, uh, Emma, obviously, didn't live in the yeah, we've we've done that. We looked at the fixtures, so we tried to map out, and we're hoping we're, we're, we're sort of telling them when 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 would be good to come and when it's not good to come. So, <laughs> yeah, banana. As I said, we can't wait. There's a lot to unpack in that interview. Let's address some of the specifics. Um, if you argue with the boss, you're going to lose Ay. Yeah, well, because he did, because he didn't play. Um, I think the whole interview came across as him kind of saying. I um, appreciate that I made mistakes. I probably shouldn't react it like that. But I also want to come out and say that I felt that some of the things that were levelled at me were were unfair, you know. And I think the whole way he handled it actually well, was was really good. It was really level headed. He's saying, you know, I maybe reacted badly. There were some crossed wires. I probably shouldn't argue with my boss like that. But it certainly wasn't a mea culpa. I did wrong sort of thing as well. You know, it wasn't just that. I don't think it undermines Billy Dodds either. You know, that that's the thing. I think Dodds has put him back in. Um Mark Bridges come out and said, I accept it. He's got the right to drop me. He has the right to um discipline me and also drop me even for making one mistake. But I just want to say that this is what has happened, you know. And so I, I think it was it was a really, really good interview, um, where he acknowledges what he's done wrong, but also kind of says I felt that there was a certain justification to my anger. It's one of those ones. See if he was a striker in a midfielder and he got took off at halftime. Nothing would we wouldn't we wouldn't blink an eyelid. When a goalkeeper gets taken off or a goalkeeper gets subbed, shit, there's, there's something wrong here. And I think that obviously maybe playing a mark's head, you've been taken off at half time and there's a wee bit of embarrassment to it because goalkeepers don't get taken off. And uh, he said things he shouldn't have said, he's agreed with that. But um no, I think he came across well and it, again I don't think he it makes Billy look bad. Um, I think he's he's learned stuff. Hindsight was used a few times in the, the conversation, so he's learned from it. And I think it was a helping hand to Cammy as well. I mean, him and Cammy are good mates off the pitch. So there was no animosity there, but he probably he probably agrees that he should have been playing and not stuck on the bench. And he's, he's glad to be back. But it was interesting, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Do you know if he had to get the Cubs' permission before giving this interview, or has he just gone ahead and? Done no, we we just for anyone we 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 never have to get the Cubs' permission for any player that we interview. Um. <laughs> And that's uh, that was me right. told. I, I don't, I don't approach yeah. players within the club. So yeah, the club no. Um, yeah. I need to move on. Liam, sure. arguments in changing rooms, arguments with managers, spill the beans all the time, all the time. <laughs> and 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 that there it doesn't surprise me what's happened. And yet, probably because the goalkeeper got taken off at half time. Um, and you can see both sides there. You see the manager. The manager's going in his opinion because you've kicked that ball long which I didn't want you to do, there's been a sequence of events and we've lost our goal. So you can see the manager. The manager just wants to say that. He needs to vent it. <laughs> and, he's, and he's vented it. But Ridgers and Goals is going, well, wait a minute. Come on, I've, I've went long. I've went long a hundred times. It's a legitimate you know, thing to do. You don't need to go short. I've went long. It's not worked for us yet. And then there's been a sequence of events and then they've scored, but you're still blaming them. Aye, aye. I think what the manager's wanting is, aye, that's it. I've vented that to you now. I don't need you to be firing back with anything. But then for the for the goalkeeper, Ridgers is going, well, hold on, it, that's not my fault. You know, there's a there's a whole host of other things that could happen before the ball even gets into the 18 yard box, you know. Um <clears throat> so you see both sides there. But yeah, definitely 
<clears throat> I had a few with Robo. Um, <laughs> and, and again, it is, it's always along that line. And I just want to point out as well, the goalkeepers never, never admit to this, but it's the old goalkeepers union. Um, and I think they need to remember as well that they can go games, games without getting dropped. You know, but I feel like the boy's out in the middle of the park or whatever. Yeah. You make a couple of bad passes, your chances are it's the next game you're not playing, you know? <laughs> so um, the goalkeepers are... Yeah. Aye, and, and, that, and that goes with the whole thing of that's why it was such a big deal because you would never normally expect a goalkeeper to get taken off. So I do feel his pain, 100%. And, but I can't see why the manager is wanting him just to, listen, let me vent. I'm telling you what I, I, I never liked. Now let's move on. We'll go out into the second half. But obviously it's continued on. And like I say, I have seen that a thousand times. I remember seeing Stuart Gall about trying to strangle Mark Brown up at Dingwall. Um, <laughs> and, and it was for pre- precisely, precisely that. We'd, we'd lost a goal and Bruni, it wasn't his fault. But to the rest of us, we're going, you know, you could have done better. It wasn't his fault, wasn't accepting it, and Stuart, he was right next to him. And he's basically spun around to try to choke him. He <laughs> 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 had to be pulled off him. So aye, the, the dressing room bust-ups, um, they happen all the time. And they've moved on now, hopefully, from that, and he's, he's back in between the sticks. And, and, and by the way, can I just say, in the, in the football environment, you know, and the normal workplace, uh, these things probably would be the end of the world. People are getting sacked and stuff, you know. But that's just that's the way footy is, and they need to be thick-skinned, and, and they are. So they'll move on. Yeah. Right. Well, a lovely wee bit at the end as well, Stevie, about his, his wife's pregnancy, and he's looking for some uh, some win bonuses to pay for baby stuff. So, uh, Mark, if you're listening, I've got a garage full of sweet sleep suits, snooze pods, and snot suckers. Uh, I will swap them for match tickets. I've offered them mate, already, mate. You have to some stuff right. you can take as well, mate. But yeah, no, good luck to me. We'll need all the money you can get because they're not cheap, as you know. Yeah. So, right, our next um, league look ahead. Right, January into February, Queen's Park, Wraith, Morton, Hamilton, Dundee, we're not going to be topping the league, um, probably, but it's just about staying within touching distance of the playoffs at the moment and staying as far away from the bottom two as possible. So um, at time of recording, Saturday 21st of January, Queen's Park at home in the Scottish Cup. I'm going to say it's probably this is probably all about the moolah, the dough, about getting through this game and hopefully getting a, a, a big game in the next round. Um, what's your thoughts? I think... We need the money more than Queens, so we are less likely to weaken. Uh, um, last season, last week's weekend's game shows that it's very hard to tell which uh, way the game will go if we both play full strength teams. But I wouldn't be surprised if they weaken their team because they're thinking they could go up um, and sacrifice the Scottish yeah. Cup. We're less likely to do it. Um, Saturday, twenty eighth of January, Wraith away. This will be my first game of twenty twenty three. Hopefully, um, they look very good on the Dundee on the telly the other week. They passed the ball around very nicely but fairly porous at the back and they don't beat us so looking forward to it what about you boys I'll be going through I look forward to it we'll all be there and uh, cracking away day good pubs and I hate seeing a bit of record but the record's great isn't it it still continues 20 plus yeah. years undefeated which will probably bite me in the arse now that I've said that but um, I will play well I like the pitch I mean we talked to Dan about plastic pitches in an interview but I like the pitch I said it's a decent plastic pitch and uh yeah, always seem to get a good result down there, and it's a, again, it's a good ground, old-fashioned ground behind the railway, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Liam, would you fancy, do you fancy, fancy a wee away game anytime? Fancy a wee trip? Does your boy not go? 
Ah, he goes, he goes now and then. He, uh, he gets a, a free rein here and there. But I, I wouldn't mind a, a wee away day. I might actually pencil that in at some Aye. point. Tolk's promised one before he signed yeah. when we when earned, didn't he? But he owes us an away day as well, doesn't ah, he? So? You yourself and Tolk, they can come down together. <laughs> well, if Tolk's goes, I'll need to go to look after him. <laughs> Aye, I'll, I'll hold Sammy Wells, you, you hold his arms, right? <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say about Wraith is that the, the guy I'm most scared of is this, and I'm not even making this up, six foot eight, big John Fred Fredrickson, the Faroese monster, and he scored his first goal there week in a 1-0 win, I think it was midweek game, and then in the post-match, I read his uh, comments and he said, I really love to see the emotions, the feelings of the humans. <laughs> Alright, Arnold. Sorry, <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> so he said that, he said the feelings of the humans. Um, Apparently he gets his supper from a, from the local chip shop every night, so um, he's he's lacking lacking he's fitness. A, he's a he's a monster. Max Ram better be on his on the money that day. Um, Saturday fourth of February, Morton at home. Uh, Dougie Emley's early promise seems to have worn off a little bit. Are we not due a win against these stuff? Yeah, you'd like to think so. Um, I was impressed with Morton. Um, well, when they were up earlier in the season, obviously they turned us over. Capello. Um, you know, with the infamous Ridgers Dodds game, uh, they looked really sharp that night. To be fair, um, I think you know a bit of a cliche. It's probably one of the ones that we really need to be looked to be winning if we want to try and get back into any kind of um, automatic promotion chase, which is already looking you know maybe a wee bit difficult. Uh, but at the very least, try and you know pull us further up the table. You know, that kind of goes without saying. They have stalled. Um, a bit recently, I think no one's in their last four games as things stand. So, yeah, um, get a few more players back and um, hopefully we can get three points on the board here because um, we, we will need it. Saturday, the 11th of February. What's happening that day? Scottish Cup, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. I have to get through. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, the 18th of February, Hamilton at home. This has got a way win written all over it, hasn't it? No, yeah, it's got a way win written on it, hasn't it? <laughs> Hamilton, to, Hamilton not- to come up and win. No, Morton is more of a banana skin. Just talking about some previously. I mean, they always seem to. No, it's it's, one over. it's Liam. He's been talking to his mate John Rankin. He's giving him the inside inside track on how to beat us. <laughs> he's due one. Ah. He's due one. <laughs> I think. See, if you look at those three games as a whole, Wraith away, Morton at home, Hamilton at home, we've had really. I mean, obviously, we've done really well against Wraith. It feels like we're kind of almost due to lose one, but they don't have anything up front. The three of them, the three teams, they don't score goals. You know, they've all been okay at the back. Wraith, well, I mean, Hamilton, no, not recently. Hamilton have been shit, actually. Hamilton have been shit in all areas. But um, Wraith and Martin have been okayish at the back, Martin especially. But they don't have anything up front at all. So <clears> we <throat> have got a settled back two now of Devine and Duffy, if we can keep kind of injury free. And we've got Henderson starting to create goals on one side and uh, Mackay trying to create, starting to create on the other side and Billy Mackay kind of in top form. We, we should be winning all those three. You know, there's, there's no question about that, you know, because they're not, you know, Martin, I mean, God knows how Martin put four past us, apart from the fact that we were we were utterly terrible that day and we had a completely inexperienced first-time central defensive combination, you know. But I think those three games, we're looking at potentially nine points there and that's going into yeah. Dundee on the back of three wins, and potentially in the back of two wins, draw against Queen's Park, three wins, and yeah. we could be going into that with the whole season feeling utterly transformed. I know that sounds totally happy, happy clappery, which is always a great accusation, and that's not really where I am. But actually, if you look at it statistically, if we continue the form we're on, yeah, well, we, 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 we can get better three league yeah. games. We go on runs, don't we? 
So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's distinctly possible. And you're talking about different teams topping the league. You know, we could be on a, on a, on a well, one, you know, six game unbeaten run or something at that point, and Dundee could be top of the league. So it could be a big yeah. game. Could be a big. Or game. I mean, or we could completely shoot ourselves in the foot again. But that's <laughs> the point. I think it's a really, really good opportunity. Just looking at the makeup of those teams. Yeah, Hamilton okay. are absolute muck. I mean, they are absolutely <laughs> awful. They they they've got. That's one... Liam's mate, mate's team you're talking about there. Uh, they, 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 they've got one away win all season. Do you want to guess who that one away win is against? <laughs> I, I don't know. Wouldn't be us by yeah. any chance, would it? Yes, uh, yeah. us. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, we had a stinking record against them last season as well. Top of the league this time. This time next, Bob, when we do, uh, when we do the next preview. So uh, up next, competition time. Competition time. Cast your minds back to November when we were giving away the new home shirt signed by a player of your choice. We couldn't do a Christmas pod, so for some lucky listener, Christmas is about to come late. So without further ado, Andrew Sutherland, activate the Tombola 2000. Before I do that, I'm going to be like uh, glass half full here and say maybe Christmas is going to come just super, super early for this um, this lucky winner. I like it. Um, Right, so... Um, wait a minute, wait. Sorry, activate the Tombola 2000. Thank you very much, Andrew. If you could now pass the, the, the uh, slate that has come out of the Tombola 2000 over to, to Mr. Keel, and Mr. Keel will read out the winner. So, uh, Liam, the winner is... And the winner is Jake... J-A-X-X-94 on Twitter. There you go. What a name. Well done, Jake, did you say? Yep, Jake. 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 Well done, Jake. Uh, Jake. And he has won, is he won this season's home shirt, Stevie? And it's a choice of player to sign it, is it? I get in touch with through Twitter, um, Instagram, whatever, Jake, and uh, tell us who your favourite player is and I'll arrange that at the club and we'll get you either to pick it up. At the stadium, or we'll send it off to you, Liam. Because you. uh, you're on the pod, and you know competition thing. Would you like to donate a piece of your own clothing, also? <laughs> <laughs> Which piece would you like? <laughs> I want that. Hey, Stevie, Jake, I, Jake, I want Stevie, Jake, Stevie, Stevie wife, Peter, I want that. Jake, get, hold of that. Jake, get in touch. A lot of people on Twitter. You might be young. You could be about sixty. You might not even know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Jake, if you uh, if you want to get in touch, then um, Liam will also give you like I don't know one of his socks or something like that. <laughs> uh, so, and for for this pod's competition, he of no shame. Uh, if the club is Mister Limpkins, then he is Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more strips? Stevie, have we got another competition prize? Yeah, we do. We have the this year's away shirt signed by again the the winner's favourite player. So yeah, same as yeah. same as this month. Um, Next month they'll win the away shirt and uh, yeah, you can pick who you want to sign it and uh, we'll get it sorted for you next month. So that's something to look forward to. Okay, um, that is all from us now for this first part of 2023. We'll be back in a few weeks' time where we might even have a, such rare sightings as a lesser spotted Allardyce or the common Tom Walsh. Liam, thanks for coming on. Have you enjoyed yourself? That's the main question. It's been awesome. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. I appreciate it, mate. No, it's... Oh, Great to see you again. We have, we've, I know we've all got, that's been of a certain age, we've all got great memories of, of when you were a player. Um, I was just surprised uh, when we were reading your stats that you only scored three goals. Aye. By I the way, like can it... I just say, and God bless him as well, see David Bingham, he's convinced he set me up for double figures that season. 
and I just let him believe it. <laughs> <laughs> what a player! Um, so, what's your just what's your final thoughts on the team this season, Liam? On the football you've seen and and, and the club as a whole? No, I think the boys have played some good footy, one hundred percent. I think they're doing something right in training. Just from what I'm seeing, they are playing well. They just need to get that confidence and put that run together. I know it's it's a cliche, but when you get into that winning habit and it sticks, and then that's what happens. Like you said, it's only a 10-team league. Next thing you know, you're up there challenging. I think they've got it. All right, superb. Uh, until next time, it's bye from everybody. Say bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, it's bye. Bye, from, bye from me, and we're all off to only read the nice things that people say about us online. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other, and bye for now. I was going to pipe up at me licking players' balls in uh, one of the fucking feedbacks, but I didn't know what to bite, mate. Uh, that's, but... that's a little bit for the end. Thank you. Yep, yep.